Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy little duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by Lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Ah, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote today. What's happening, Karan? Happy uh, weekend after the draft. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. How hey, you doing, no, brother? I'm good, man. You know, the draft is over. We've got free agency. I, I keep thinking, like, all right, the draft is over the season. No, no. Free agency. Then free agency is over the season. No, no. Summer league. And then it's summer league's over. Then it's like, oh, no. Then it's the guys that sign in, like, late July. You got to get to, like, end of July, early August to really kind of breathe. And even then, last year, what do we have? Kyrie Irving traded. In August. I was on vacation in Maine. That was, this is like the one week out of the year, Karan, that I'm sure I can get away and not worry about anything. I'm on vacation in Maine, and, and let's full disclosure, I'm pretty well loaded the entire week. I'm pretty drunk that entire week. Um, <laughs> and I get a call from my editor being like, how on vacation are you? I go, I'm really on vacation. He goes, oh, because Kyrie just got traded. I go, no, I, I'm, I'm not writing anything unless you want like the word very used like 17 times over. Like, very, very good deal for Boston. Yay, Celtics. Like, that's all I could have mustered at that point. But it's it's the NBA, man. They've captured at least 11 months out of the year. At least. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. It's all year round now. It really yeah. is. It, it, it really is all year round. And we don't know if this decision from LeBron James is going to come rather quickly or is this going to come in his orderly fashion where he's going to string this thing out and just have it as a, a log jam for so many other free agents. For some time, and everybody's going to have their eyes glued on this process. Oh, it's never, for him, it's never quick, right? I mean, you look at the last two decisions. I believe it was July 8th for the first one and July 12th for the second one. I could have reversed those, but I know 8th and 12th, if I remember correctly. 
uh, for those. So we're going to have at least a week, I would imagine, before LeBron makes a decision. We'll get into this down the road, but this is a far more complicated decision for him than than others have been, right? I mean, you know, last time it was you know going back to Cleveland, and like the seeds were planted for that months before, as they kind of figured out the relationship between LeBron and owner Dan Gilbert. Uh, Miami, we know from reporting that these guys have been talking about it, you know, going back to the 08 Olympics. Now, I don't know where he stands. And I, what I want to get into with you is the latest information about Paul George, um, what we know about Kawhi Leonard at this point, some conflicting reports out there about Kawhi. But before we do that, Karan, I got three guys that I believe after the draft are now going to be intertwined forever. And I want to get your thoughts on who the best player out of this group is going to be. Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young. Those three guys. Bagley because they the Kings passed on Doncic for him. Doncic because the Mavericks traded up to get him. And the Atlanta Hawks traded back to grab Trey Young. Of those three players right now as we speak, the date being June 24th, 2018, who's the best player out of that bunch? I'm going to say Bagley. Okay. Just, just for the simple fact that you know, he's ready to score. He's going to have all the opportunities. I mean, Zach Randolph in year 16, 17, I think, for him, he was the leading scorer of that ball club. And Bagley is, you know, more athletic. He's a guy that can score the ball at a rapid pace. He's going to live around the rim, and it's going to be built around him to be successful. The only thing I question is just the organization thing. You know, I'm looking at, you know, how who's going to teach him the ins and outs of the mm-hmm. NBA? Who's going to be there every step of the way to show him that, how to be a professional on and off the court, the preparation, all these things. But I feel like he has a tremendous upside, and he's going to uh, you know, blossom in, in that system. Well, you know, ideally, and you played there, so you know the structure of it, but ideally I would think like if you've got a big man that can do a lot of things offensively, doesn't that sound like Vlade Divac? <laughs> doesn't it sound like a guy? I mean, Vlade in his playing days – was a tremendous talent. I mean, he. we talk about guys that reinvented the positions. In some ways, Vlade in the 1980s and into the 1990s was a unicorn out there when it came to five men. I mean, guys couldn't do what Vlade did. I would think him taking on a bigger role, uh, you know, in terms of coaching, would be useful in this context, no? Yeah, I, I think I think he'll, he'll play a huge role. Like, he did the same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. And, you know, obviously we know how that ended. But at the same time, I think that... Yeah, not well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't end well because, you know, um, the foundation was disturbed. Like, it, it, it was fractured and they was trying to fix it on the fly and it just didn't work. With the coaches, you know, four or five coaches in a five-year span, six-year span, it's just, it just uh, did not work at all. But mm-hmm. with, with, with Bagley, I think it's going to be totally different. But I do feel like you need that, that presence of uh, a developmental guy on that sideline to get him right. A big, a developmental uh, big. Okay, so I'm actually going to take Doncic in this uh, scenario because one thing about Luka Doncic the last couple of months, I feel like he's been unfairly picked apart. You know, while these other guys were either not working out or working out against nobody, Luka Doncic was playing games. I mean, he was over there in the EuroLeague playing in highly competitive games against players significantly older than him, and he was playing well. But in the moments that he didn't play well, it feels like we kind of picked him apart a little bit too much. Now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, none of these guys have been playing since March at the latest. What what are we doing here? Like, why are we being so aggressive at picking apart Luka Doncic's game? I think it's a little bit unfair. It, it does concern me a little bit. Now, one thing I was told in Sacramento, Karan, was that, 
you know, Vlade was a huge Bagley guy. I would have thought the reverse. I know, and I reported up until the days prior, that there was some back and forth going on there between Doncic and and, uh, Marvin Bagley. I was told, though, that Vlade was a big Bagley guy. And that surprised me a little bit, given the international connection. You got Pejus Lyakovic in that front office as well. I would have thought that front office would have made Doncic a priority, especially when you factor in that the pick of of Doncic would have been extremely popular in Sacramento. Like, that pick would have gotten a lot of cheers and a lot of positive press. I thought that would have been enough to bump it over the edge. But Vlade being a proponent of Doncic, that surprised me. That really did. Yeah, but you you know, you got to go for the for sure thing if you're Sacramento. Because say if you take that chance, then you might as well consider if this kid don't pan out, that Vlade job is, you know, out the window. Yep. Because they're going to say you took him for personal reasons or whatever the case, but the clear-cut, obvious choice should have been Bagley. If you saw his production, you saw what he's capable of doing, you saw that he's a gamer, he's most ready right now, and there's still a lot of, you know, questions about Trey Young. You know, can he perform at this level uh, and, and, and do all the things that he did? Is he a point guard? Is he a two? Is he too little? All these things. And then the same thing with, uh, you know, the kid from overseas that, you know, got drafted by Dallas is like, okay, mm-hmm. is he big enough? Is he slow? Like, is he quick enough? Uh, he has the agility and, and speed to keep up with the guards at that position. We don't know. So he took the safe bet. I'm with you on Trey Young and the question marks there. I mean, at the, the Atlanta Hawks, and I had written this prior to the draft, the Atlanta Hawks were very, very high on him. They were less, less big, less high on Doncic. They wanted Trey Young, though, willing to move back. So that deal worked out for both teams in terms of what they wanted at that time. Dallas really wanted to move up. They weren't big on Jaron Jackson. They weren't big on Mo Bamba. They wanted the talented European. And now they think they have the next great European player who can eventually supplant the great European player they still have on that roster in Dirk Nowitzki. But these guys, Karan, they're going to be forever kind of intertwined for that reason because you know Bagley taking over Doncic, Doncic traded uh, uh, team trades up to get him. Uh, Atlanta trades down uh, to pass on him. Those three guys are are always going to be kind of linked. And the best player out of those three, um, I, I'll be, it'll be worth watching in the years to come. But uh, the other guy name I want to ask you about, and the other guy that really surprised me that he fell so far, and that's Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we know how good he is. I mean, you played that position, a small forward position. Uh, this guy is a tremendous talent. I mean, people would tell me that talent wise. Michael Porter Jr. is right up there with DeAndre Aiden. If it was just based on pure talent, it would be those two guys neck and neck. But that back injury, that clearly played a big role. I talked to some teams after the fact, and I kept hearing some horrifying things about the potential for that back injury. Things like, may not play this entire season, could become a chronic injury, may not be able to play in back-to-backs long-term. That's what scared these teams off. And, And look, I give Denver credit Sitting there at 14, it's a roll of the dice, no question about it, but it's high risk and maybe even higher reward for Denver. What do you think about Porter slipping that far? Yeah, you know what? I saw the same thing. You know, whenever you have, you know, the the thing about the NBA and obviously collegiate basketball is that availability is so important. You need to be available to be successful and, you know, to have have the chance to have scouted a, a, a young man at that position. Now, granted, you know, he wasn't available for – uh, much of the season, and and obviously you just touched on some of the things that everyone knows from watching him in the AAU circuit and all these things that he's a heck of a talent. This guy has no ceilings. He can do so many things, and if healthy, he can be special. So, you know, Denver did an excellent job of, you know, looking at the medicals 
and then going over and just saying, look, if we can get this guy core strong, come back from this surgery, come back from this situation, and get him in a position where he's available at all times and put him in a system where he can blossom, you know, this can be the steal of the draft. And that's the chance that they took. And, look, everybody loves a feel-good story, a comeback story, and I definitely feel if he remains healthy, he can be that. No, he, he can be the steal of the draft. Um, you know, and I, I, I like the risk the Nuggets took here, and I'm a little bit surprised. And, again, I, I didn't see the medicals, so that's a huge part of all this. But I am a little bit surprised by a few teams not taking a flyer on him. I mean, the Knicks, they went with a safe pick, Kevin Knox. I mean, they think that he can be a long-term play there. Not a, he's not going to. I don't think he makes much of an impact in his first year, but they think with Fisdale, his staff, they can work it out. The Sixers, as I'm watching the Sixers draft, if Sam Hankey was still the GM of the Sixers, he takes Michael Porter Jr. You know that. He yeah. takes him because he took Joel Embiid when he wasn't healthy. He took Dario Saric when he knew he wasn't getting him for two years. He took these guys. And and I, Michael Porter Jr. is exactly the kind of draft pick that Sam Hankey uh, makes. You know, high reward uh, down the line. But then even the Clippers, Karan, with two picks there. Not that the Clippers made some incredibly bizarre uh, decision there. I, I Look, I saw Jerome Robinson up close and personal. I'm a Boston College grad. I like him. God, I wish he stayed in school um, for personal reasons. I didn't. I didn't see him as a lottery pick, you know. As, as I watched him last season, same thing with the kid from Kentucky, uh, Alexander. If they trade, they they flip. Uh, uh, was it Bridges for him? I didn't see him as as this like you know long term NBA play. I thought the Clippers made some interesting decisions on draft night. Yeah, they did. You know, they they they, they got a lot of valuable pieces though. They really did. And the thing that question that that I questioned with the Clippers was there was a couple of games out of making it out the playoffs. And they struggle with having versatility and guys available. You know, um, losing their point guard, you know, and Patrick Beverly early in the season and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not not having, you know, uh, some of their forward guys to, you know, kind of just distribute the ball and have that versatility out there on the court, I think it hindered them. I think it hurt them. So now they got a lot of young guys that's hungry to get out there and play that can create, do some special things. And I think they're going to be right there seven and eight you know, fight for a spot and possibly get in the playoffs this year. Yeah, look, those, I mean, look, we, we don't know how these players pan out, but if Michael Porter Jr. turns into the star that his talent suggests he can be, I, there'll be a bunch of teams kicking themselves at the end of the day for passing on a player with that kind of talent. All right, it's the Chris and Karan Show, Fox Sports Radio. A lot to get to today. We're a week away, literally a week away from the start of free agency. We're going to look ahead to Kawhi, uh, not Kawhi Leonard, but LeBron James, Paul George, so a little bit of news there. Uh, and, of course, Kawhi Leonard. What happens there? We've had some of the last couple of days suggesting that the Spurs have uh, something on their mind there. So we'll get into all that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. You catch uh, Carmelo Anthony's Instagram comments from this last couple of days, Karan? <laughs> I think Carmelo's got a few messages to send to people. I mean, how, were there actually people out there that thought Carmelo Anthony was going to opt out of that contract? Like, seriously? $28 million? Give me a break. He was always going to opt into that. And he should, by the way. He signed the contract. He's Somebody you know believed he was deserved that money. Take the money, man. It's it, not, hamstrings it's, Oklahoma City, but take the money. It's not somebody believed he was worth the money. He 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 is and was worth the money when he signed the contract at that mm-hmm. time. You know, his value was that. You know, and it's amazing to see that 
so many people will forget rather quickly. You know, look, he tried to adapt to a, a different type of role, uh, had career lows in some of the numbers, but look, he 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 was a catch and shoot guy, and as the third option, and he still averaged sixteen points. You know, I see a lot of guys, you know, you know, averaging thirteen points, getting hundred million dollar contracts right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know, look, you, you can't fault him for that, and I, I don't understand. Like, what's I mean? I guess it was a slow day in media; they had to talk about it. You know, <laughs> but he, you know, he deserved that contract, future Hall of Famer, man. Look, you go you go back to what was it, two thousand and eleven when he first signed that contract. And we remember with the circumstances then, right? Because you had the Bulls after him, but the Bulls could only offer the four year contract. And the Knicks were after him. Phil Jackson sat down with him at that time, said we want you. They offered the full five year max. I think it was a little under the max, but barely it's a couple million bucks. And people criticized Carmel at that time for choosing money over winning. And look, I think that's a fair criticism because he went back to New York because they could offer the most money. The Bulls, they were at that time in a position to win. They had Derrick Rose in the in, in still as MVP type Derrick Rose. You had Noah there. You had a whole bunch of guys there that could play. So, you know, we criticized him at that time, but if Carmelo Anthony was a free agent this summer, you think he'd get anywhere near twenty eight million dollars? Nowhere He'd be near. lucky to get $8 million. Lucky to get $8 million. And and he understands that. Yep. And I think, like, as fans, people need to understand that also and stop being so critical. If you're working a job right now in whatever it is in your profession, whatever walk that you, uh, life that you, you uh, do, and you're making $40,000 million, uh, $40, or $100,000 a year or $25,000, whatever the number is, and it's guaranteed, are you going to take a risk on the open market to – Take less. And the answer should be, uh, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know the answer should be is no. If you got a guaranteed situation, why would you gamble? And you know the number is going to be extremely less. And that's what he's doing. He's like, look, I got a guarantee. Let me look at this real quick. $27.9 million. I got it written on my cup. Oh, yeah. $27.9 million. You take the money. Everybody else would take the money. Everybody else would. Everybody else take the money. So I don't blame him for doing it. It puts Oklahoma City in a tough spot. And I honestly think that there are going to be negotiations, or at least thoughts, in the Oklahoma City front office about a buyout. Uh, I think they'll they'll discuss that and see what's best for them, if they can work something out with Carmelo on a buyout. But it, I don't fault him at all for opting into that contract. Nobody else should, because you'd take that money too. If, you, if your option was to make, at, at the very minimum, $20 million less, you would take all that money. All right, let me ask you about another guy. That's going to get some money, hit the free agent market. Or this guy is going to get bought out. Dwight Howard. Traded again. How about this, Karan? Traded again. Dwight Howard, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. I think he's... Absolutely. Yeah, hasn't won a championship, but he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. His numbers alone, his level of dominance. In the last calendar year, just literally right at the last calendar year, he has been traded twice in deals that on paper are incredibly lopsided. He was traded effectively... From Atlanta to Charlotte last year for Marshall or for Marshall Plumley. Yes, the other Plumley. Or Miles Plumley. Sorry, there's three too many Plumleys. Miles Plumley, who had three years left in his contract. So it wasn't like you get Miles Plumley and an expiring deal. You got Miles Plumley and three years on a bad contract. This year, days ago, he was traded from Charlotte to the uh Brooklyn Nets for Timothy Mozgov, who has years a year left on his contract, a year longer. So two years left in his contract. So Dwight Howard 
has quite literally by two teams been told to shove off. And this is a guy, Karan, the last two years has been healthy. What did he play this past season? 81 games? Mm-hmm. He gave them, what, 16 and 12? Something along those lines? On paper, Dwight Howard is still a high-level player, and yet playing a position where there really aren't a bunch of high-level players, he has been told, get out. Now, you're an ex-player. You, you've got your finger on the pulse of, of the NBA's thoughts on Dwight uh, is way more than I do. But what's your take on Dwight Howard being dumped and now bought out? By the way, the Brooklyn Nets stink. And he was just bought out by the Brooklyn Nets, probably for you know ninety five cents on the dollar. What do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, look, I thought it was you know amazing season he just had, you know this past season after you know reinventing himself after the Hawks situation, numbers was down, came back, looked like the Dwight of old had some flashes, uh, jumping over the rim, just looked like he was having fun again, and you know all the things that I was hearing personally was you know. Not a good locker room guy. You know, guys, you know, uh, just didn't enjoy playing with him. So we had brought him on, you know, uh, on the draft show. And we brought him on, and he he called in, and and he had an excellent conversation addressing all those issues, saying that, look, I have so much basketball left in me, saying that he wants to be on a winning team, understanding that he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. And I asked him, what do you want your legacy to be? I want to be remembered as a great human being. I want to be a winner. I want to – do all these things, and all those struck a nerve with me because, you know, perception is one thing, and you can hear it in his voice that he's all about, like, just winning and leaving a good taste in people's mouth after he leave this game of basketball. But he did say, I have a lot of basketball left in me. You look at guys yeah. like LeBron James, Chris Paul, look, I'm, look, I was born in 85. That means that I got a lot of basketball left in me, and I want to continue to play. I'm 32 years old, and I'm looking forward to having a long, long career. That was a great interview. We're actually going to replay that interview you did with Dwight Howard in the second hour of the show. So stick around for for that. My question, though, Karan, and as soon as like, and I look at it from a reporter's perspective, um, I made a few calls, talked to some GMs uh, and lower level guys in organizations about Dwight. And he, here's the basics of it: if he's willing to take like the veteran minimum, there'll be teams that are willing to sign him. If he's looking for the mid level exception which is $8 million plus, I don't know where he's going to get it. I don't think there's a market for him at $8 million plus per year. Now, an obvious team to look at for Dwight Howard is the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans a couple of years ago tried to acquire Dwight Howard from the uh, from the Hawks. That deal didn't get done. But Del Demps is still there. Danny Ferry is still there. Those are two guys that like Dwight Howard a lot. And you have to remember, I don't believe that the Pelicans are all that excited about the idea of of re-signing DeMarcus Cousins. I don't. I think they, they're willing to bring him back, but if the dollar figure is too high, and you know DeMar- DeMarcus too, he's looking for big dollars. If that dollar max. figure is too high, Max, yeah, you said that in my podcast recently, uh, Max, if he's looking for Max, he is not going to get it from the Pelicans. So the Pelicans uh, would be in a position to maybe get you know a cheaper version of Cousins. Granted, it's, not, it's somebody that doesn't have the offensive versatility of Cousins, but if you can bring in Dwight in a lower figure, it enables you to re-sign Rondo because you have more money to do that. And you know Dwight would come off the bench, maybe start in some situations in a three-man kind of big-man rotation with Anthony Davis, with Nikola Mirotic, and of course now with uh, Dwight Howard. So look for the Pelicans to be in the mix. Look for the Celtics to be in the mix. You've got Danny Ainge, who a few years ago, when Dwight was still in Houston, he was trying to acquire him. So the Celtics, who could lose Aaron Baines in free agency, 
That's somebody to keep in the mix. And another team might be the Lakers. I think Dwight, there's a part of Dwight that wants to go back to L.A. and and redeem himself there with a different team and a different system. So I think the market Quran's going to be there for him. But if, if his agent, I believe is, is Aaron Goodwin, the, the, the brothers there, uh, the Goodwin brothers, if if his agents say, we want eight-plus million dollars, he's not going to get it. He might have to go to China. Like He's incredibly popular in China. He could make five million bucks a year in China. He's, he's not going to China. <laughs> I'm just saying, Karan, like that that's where it's at. Like if he wants money, he's gonna have to go somewhere else. Like it, don't you think and like again, I'm looking at this as a, from the outside. You're a you're a player. But like if you're Dwight Howard, you're already getting let's assume he gets like twenty of the twenty four million dollars from from the Nets. So you're getting paid this year no matter what. Don't you go someplace you can win and, and you know the where you fit in and can win and try to redeem yourself? Isn't that the smart way to go? Yeah, I think it's I think it's all about winning with him, and that's you know point of emphasis of what he's you know talked about when he came on. He was just like, look, I want to win. I don't I don't think it's about a money thing, but he do want to want the world to know and 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 just everyone to know that look, you know, I have a lot of value still, and I have a lot of basketball left in me. I don't want people to look at like, yo, I'm on the back end of my career. This is it. I mean, he kept you know he made he made a, a a clear point in case of saying look LeBron James you know this guy you know he's year 15 and he's doing this Chris Paul 33 years old he's doing like I'm younger and I I want to continue to play at a high level and my body feel great and all these things and I, I you know I really I really do believe him and I think that it's not about money I just think it's about planning a winning situation a winning environment and just you know changing the narrative of and the perception of what people see you to be around the association. This is a perfect opportunity for him to do that. He is going to effectively get paid this year when the Nets buy him out. They can't do it until July 6th, and I don't I don't think they've settled on a dollar figure yet, but when the Nets buy him out, he's going to get his money for this year. If he chooses to go to a situation where he can help a team win a ring, and look, I don't mind him ring chasing at this point, because ring chasing for Dwight Howard not only helps rehabilitate your image, but maybe you do get a ring, and then that adds... To your resume, but if he winds up taking like, I'm, I'm trying to even think of who would sign him at this point. Like, go to Orlando and take like five million dollars. I'm going to know all I need to know about Dwight Howard. All right, we're going to get more into this uh, a little bit later in the show. We're going to replay that interview that Karan Butler and the guys did with Dwight Howard a little bit later in the program. But first, let's check in with Ilo, see what's going on out there. What's up, Ilo? Perfect timing, Chris and Karan, because at the World Cup, Japan and Senegal were tied 1-1 until just moments ago in the 71st minute. A little delicate ball sent in to Sabali from Mane. Sabali in front, and there was a touch now at the back post, and Senegal crashing the back post, and the youngster smashes it in. Senegal in the 71st minute have regained the lead. Mark Followell the call on Fox, so it is now Senegal 2, Japan 1, now in the 75th minute. Earlier today, England advanced to the round of 16 with a 6-1 victory over Panama, led by a Harry Kane hat-trick. We've been working on set pieces, we've been working on the way we want to play, and it's all coming together. So, uh, yeah, brilliant result. Uh, Obviously, fantastic to be through, and to do it in this this way is uh, brilliant. Kane with five goals in two games, the most in this year's World Cup. Finally, coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox, Colombia clashes with Poland with both teams 0-1 in Group H play. Chris and Karan, back to you. 
It's Chris and Garan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports, Garan Butler, two-time All-Star NBA champion. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Is it? Are you allowed on Fox Sports Radio to say that you hate soccer? Is that? They frown on that here at the station because I, I really hate soccer. I don't know, but like, you just said it. I did. I mean, and but <laughs> to be fair, Karan, this is like not a new thing. Like when I was at Sports Illustrated, um, I was in my late twenties, and it was before World Cup, maybe or no, no, I don't think it was before World Cup, but it was when soccer really started to take hold in the U.S. And I have long been, even at SI, like because I'm around a lot of soccer files, people that love the game. I'm. I was one of those people that said I can't watch this. I, I just can't do it. I need scoring. I need action. I need a lot of points on the board. It's why I like basketball so much. So they told me to rent a minivan and drive up and down the East Coast and go to a bunch of soccer games. So I went to MLS games. I went to international friendlies. And they believed that like a 10-day, 8-game journey watching the beautiful game. I sat in the stands with some USA soccer players. I sat in the in luxury suites with USA soccer players, talked to them. They you know, ran me through all the stuff that was happening out there. The SI thought that I would become a soccer lover. I didn't. I hated it more after that than I ever did before. Ever. Before. So, I encourage you. Watch on Fox. Soccer stuff. Just, you won't see me watching on Fox. I'm watching it live and I'm watching the replays. <laughs> I've got it on here in the studio, too. I just, <laughs> I, there's just something about the lack of scoring that just bothers me. Those nil-nil ties on the pitch. Get my lingo down. But those nil-nil ties... They just don't do a lot for me. All right, we've been talking about Dwight Howard. We've been talking about the draft. you have any thoughts on either, 877-996-6369, on Fox. If uh, you like your team's draft, you don't like it. If you like the top of the draft, we talked about Bagley, Doncic, and Trey Young being kind of intertwined forever. Who got the best of that deal? 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. And would you take Dwight Howard? On your team. If he doesn't cost you anything more than the veteran minimum, would you want Dwight Howard on your team? All right, Karan, let's talk more about the trade that is happening, isn't happening. Who knows where it's going to happen, what team is going to be involved. That's Kawhi Leonard. We know, well, we know nothing, right? We, we, we know nothing about this. We know that Kawhi met with Greg Popovich last week. They talked about something. And now we have a bunch of reports out there. We have Spurs are going to hold like kind of a blind auction. I had reported that. Uh, earlier in the week, we had USA Today saying the Spurs are not going to trade Kawhi. The Lakers, in fact, they're either going to re-sign him or trade him to the Eastern Conference. Uh, I, I didn't cry. I didn't think this deal was going to go down on draft night because that's not how the Spurs operate. They're a very methodical team when it comes to this stuff. And you know, if they do wind up trading Kawhi Leonard, I think it's like mid-July when they actually do it. But what do you make of everything we've learned the last week or so about Kawhi? Yeah, you know, once I heard and got wind of, you know, Pop coming to fly out and meet with Kawhi, uh, I just I was just like, okay, let's let's see, you know, what type of energy or smoke comes from that meeting. And, you know, it's it's exactly on the lines of what, you know, we all probably thought or guessed because the Spurs have a way of handling business. Don't want him in the Western Conference, probably willing to send him to the Eastern Conference. And a couple of teams that have, you know, assets that can make that happen or pull that off. We all know who those teams are. So mm-hmm. it's like, wow, that that would be amazing for them. But, you know, bad for, you know, what a lot of people is hoping 
that would take place in the Western Conference, you know, particularly with the Lakers because you look at the assets that they have, they willing they, they can pull it off and open the book and the roster to the Spurs to make a lot of things happen, but it doesn't seem like they're willing to entertain those uh, those options. No, it doesn't. And look, I, from what I hear, I think the Spurs still think they can bring him back. They can change this. I could be wrong. Uh, but I think the mentality in that organization, look, I mean, it's it's both from reporting and you know listening to what R.C. Buford said publicly on draft night. I don't think they've given up on this Quran. I think they still believe that that this can be repaired. And if you're San Antonio, I mean, that's the ideal situation. I mean, you've you've built Kawhi into the player that he is today. Look, I give Kawhi all the credit. Give the player the credit first. At the same time, Kawhi Leonard was an undersized power forward coming into the pros without a three point shot. He got with the Spurs. He changed his shot. He became a Finals MVP. I think the Spurs have to take a lot of credit, deserve a lot of credit for developing him into the player that he is today. So if I'm San Antonio, I'm just not ready to pull the shoot on Kawhi Leonard yet and say we'll auction him off. And it doesn't seem like that's the the case with them. Do you think this relationship could be repairable between the Kawhi and uh, San Antonio? No. Okay. And the, and the only reason I say that is because look, like I, I look at the history of you know the game and you know the connection of the championship and the Finals MVP and not being able to tell the story of basketball of the San Antonio Spurs without mentioning Kawhi Leonard. So that's forever. You know, anybody that's been part of a championship organization or team know that it's going to be a connection one way or another for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But the way that he was handled was just, you know, glaring to me because you look at Tony Parker, you look at Mano Ginobili and the way they went out publicly and kind of addressed some issues with his health. Um, I think that set them back right there, and that's something that's going to have to be discussed and handled in the, in the proper manner. But I think it has rubbed him and his team the wrong way. Yeah, I I I totally get that. I totally believe that, um, and that's why I, my my best guess is that sometime in mid July they come up with a deal for him. Now I'm not so sure that I believe that they're not willing to trade him to uh, a team in the Western Conference. What if a team in the Western Conference makes the best offer? Because if you're a team other than the Lakers, one thing you have to know before you make an offer for Kawhi Leonard is, what are you going to get back? Or what, 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 I mean, is he, are you going to get back a guy that wants to be there in the long term? I mean, that's the big question. Kawhi Leonard has one year left in his contract. Uh, you, you can't simply make a deal and trade away cornerstone players your team. I mean, take Boston, for example, the team with the most assets to offer. If you're the Celtics, you can't deal Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, uh, that Sacramento Kings pick next year for... Kawhi Leonard, without knowing he wants to be there, would you would you would you do it, Chris, for a guaranteed championship? Though, like, let me ask no. you that. I know you're a Celtics guy. Like, would you do that? Nope, not for one. Not not, not for f- a team. Not for a team built to win two or three. I got you. You know what I mean? Like other teams, if they're kind of on their last last breads, the last last legs there, so to speak. Other teams, I might consider it, but Boston, I know they haven't won anything. And and look, we can point to 2012 Oklahoma City as an example of a team that had a lot of young guys. Everybody thought they'd win two or three championships down the line. They won zero, and now that team is all broken up. But the Celtics, they're in a big market. They've got their young guys under contract for a long time. If they bring back uh, Kyrie Irving in a year, that's another guy under contract for a long time. I wouldn't do it. Not unless he says, yes, I want to be in Boston for the next five years. Wouldn't happen for me. So they can win. We'll see. They 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 can win. I mean, Kawhi come over there is they're they're clearly the favorite. I mean, yeah. people are already saying that they're 
the favorite to come out the East clearly next year and possibly, you know, dethrone the the Golden State Warriors. But if you add that to the mix, oh my yeah. goodness! Look, I'm with you. And if you get a, if you get a commitment, you know, I'd go pretty deep. I do I do Brown, I do Rozier, I might do multiple draft picks. Um, I don't put Tatum on the table because I think Tatum is going to be a real special scorer uh, in this league. But I do uh, put Brown and Rozier uh, into that mix. All right, it's Chris and Karan here, Fox Sports Radio. A lot more to get to, including. The free agency of LeBron James. We're just about a week away, one week away, from LeBron's free agency. And some reports out there about guys that could affect it. We talked about Kawhi Leonard. What about Paul George? How likely is it we see Paul George not in L.A., not in Philadelphia, but back in Oklahoma City? We'll talk about that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan here, Fox Sports Radio. What a replay, Karan Butler's interview with Dwight Howard. It happened on draft night. Replay that bottom of the next hour. Terrific interview. Give you some insight into what Dwight's thinking right now. He's been traded twice in the last calendar year and bought out, or will be bought out, by the Brooklyn Nets. Before we get to that, gone three quarters of the first hour without talking about LeBron James. And uh, something tells me we're not going to do much more of that, or we're not going to wait that long in the next couple of weeks. LeBron James is uh, able to become a free agent on July 1st. The presumption is that he's going to opt out of his contract and become a free agent, unless he has a deal on the table to be traded somewhere, which I guess is a possibility. But you know, we've looked at the usual candidates, Karan, for LeBron and Houston and, and L.A., and I heard Boston, and you know, could Miami maybe be in the mix going back to Cleveland? We've talked about this before. There's not a great option for LeBron James, not a natural fit. And now, one of the fits that seem to make a lot of sense from a basketball perspective from a lifestyle perspective, which is what we know that is is big for LeBron James, may not be that appealing from a basketball perspective. I mean, the Lakers are targeting Kawhi Leonard, but there are zero indications that the Spurs are interested in trading Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Maybe it's because they don't want to trade him west. Maybe it's because they don't love Brandon Ingram or any of the offers the Lakers would put on the table. No interest at this point. And now you have Paul George out there. And there have been something we've talked about, Karan. We were at the forefront of this. There have been some rumblings in the last few days that Paul George may go back to Oklahoma City, which you and I have discussed at length You know, for the last few weeks. Um, how surprised would you be, I guess? Let's start here. How surprised would you be if Paul George went back to Oklahoma City? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked uh, for the simple fact that, you know, look, when you're playing with alongside a guy like Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's going to get the hit. Uh, the superstar treatment. He's going to get the praise, but he also is going to get all the, you know, the controversy that comes with it. You know, uh, why didn't you guys win? He's going to take that hit. And, you know, if you're Paul George, you can preserve your career, you know, even longer by playing alongside a guy like that. And, you know, he had the devastating injury to his knee, you know, playing on the Olympic team and all those Mm -hmm. things. So you got to think about longevity in that space and, the possibility of you, you know, continuing to get not just this contract, which is going to be a max deal, but possibly one more after that. You're still relatively young, and you're you're capable uh, of uh, receiving two more max deals. So you got to think about all those things, and 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 uh, I think this plan in OKC as assembled right now, if LeBron James isn't the carrot that's already in Los Angeles, you you would be hesitant to come here because now the pressure. If you come here and know LeBron James. You're going to be the guy. You're going to be the marquee player, and all the pressure is going to be on you, for one, with the credentials that you carry, and two, you being in your hometown, you know, it's going to be added pressure. 
Let me ask you this, because you played with Russell Westbrook, you played with Kevin Durant, you know Paul George. Do you think the relationship between Paul George and Russell Westbrook is stronger than the relationship at the end between Durant and Westbrook? Uh, I would say at the end, possibly, mm-hmm. just because, uh, you know, every like you, you have to think, like these guys got drafted, they, they, they come up together, they grow together, uh, friendly competition amongst one another. Uh, and we're talking about KD and Russ, but it comes to a point where, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, he's done everything, all-star, all-star MVP uh, status, uh, you know, getting the, the league MVP for regular season and all these things. And now he's just like, my 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 legacy is really going to be all about winning. And that's why I think he made the move to Golden State because he knew that they can win right now, today. But with Paul George, is a little different. It, it isn't about just – you know, winning the championship right now is about being in the best situation and, you know, getting to that point. He still have, you know, valuable window of time where he can lead up to that. I would imagine that there either will be or has already been a long conversation between LeBron and Paul George. Has to have been. Because there's no tampering rules for players. Players can do whatever they want. And LeBron's got a decision to make here. He's got to figure out what the best, uh, you know, long-term fit is for him. And I don't think he wants to you know, July 1st to make his first contact with Paul George or to figure things out that way. I want to think, I want to, I think LeBron wants to know what Paul George is thinking right now and, you know, how strong a feeling he has for Oklahoma City because I think that's where it's, what it's come down to for Paul George. I think it's just those two teams. Yeah, you know, I know people have mentioned Philadelphia, people have mentioned Houston. I think it's Oklahoma City, and I think it's LA. And I think it's a battle right now. I think Russell Westbrook's recruiting him pretty hard. And I get a sense, too, and this was kind of reported out there. I think I might have even said this on the show weeks ago. But there's kind of a, a, you know, not a confidence necessarily, but Oklahoma City feels pretty comfortable with their chances of bringing him back. So I think that those conversations, I would imagine, Karan, have already taken place between LeBron and Paul George. I think a lot of conversations and a lot of energy between camps have taken place. You know, Mm -hmm. um, the players specifically probably would talk a little more in-depth once LeBron you know, say if not or if he is going to actually become a free agent, which he is. And and then once that happens, I think it's going to get more in-depth. You're going to see the meeting with the players and et cetera, and, you know, you're going to know or have a good feel of what guys are going to do and where they're leaning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we'll talk more about free agency coming up next week. Also get back into the draft. Michael Porter Jr., Talk more about that. It's Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote today. A lot to get to this hour. Bottom of the hour, we're going to replay the interview Karan Butler did on draft night with Dwight Howard, who has had an interesting last few days. He was traded from Charlotte to the Brooklyn Nets the second time in the last calendar year that Dwight Howard has been traded. The Nets subsequently decided that they're going to buy him out. That'll happen July 6th. They haven't agreed on financial terms just yet from what I've been told, but that could happen in the next uh, couple of weeks or will happen in the next couple of weeks. So Dwight Howard, a free agent to be. What makes sense for Dwight Howard and what's his mindset? Karan got into that with Dwight, which we'll get into later in the show. But I want to uh, take a different tact, Karan, on the draft. We talked in the first hour about some of the things that we liked, didn't like, surprised us. And I do want to talk more about the trio of players that I think are going to be intertwined forever uh, in this draft. But I do want to ask you about a guy that didn't get drafted, and that is one, LiAngelo Ball. And we expected this, right? We, we assumed that LiAngelo Ball was not going to get drafted. Nobody had any real interest in him. 
He declared himself eligible for the draft, but that's almost like me declaring myself eligible for the draft. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite carry any, any real weight. Now that he's gone undrafted, what do we think about this? My biggest issue, now hear me out on this one, and, and, and then you can tell me if I'm crazy. My biggest issue with Leangelo being pulled out of school like that is that it takes an option off the table. And I know people don't like to hear about the education part of college, especially for guys that want to become pros, but how many guys leave high school thinking they're going to go to the pro ranks after one year. I bet there are thousands of them that are great high school players. Like, I'm going to do one year, maybe two in college, and I'm gone. They get to college, they realize, oh, crap. It's it's good basketball. What am I I doing? I can't go to the pros. And they wind up staying. And maybe they go turn pro as a junior or senior. Maybe they don't. Maybe they get a four-year degree. This is my feeling about Leangelo Ball. He is the middle child in what is presumed to be two... NBA players. Lonzo, going to be a very good NBA player. LaMelo certainly has that Lonzo-like potential in terms of talent to be an NBA player. Leangelo doesn't. So him getting pulled out of school to go to that ridiculous Lithuanian league and to enter the draft when nobody, everybody knew they weren't going to draft him and probably, probably not going to get invited onto a summer league team, his options are nil. He doesn't have a chance now. And he's left UCLA. He doesn't have a chance to take advantage of UCL freaking A. And go to school there for four years. Maybe, and I've said this before, but maybe he can become like the agent of the family. Maybe he can get a four-year degree in sports management and become the agent of the family. Maybe he can represent Lonzo Ball. Represent LaMelo Ball. Nothing wrong with that. Not all of us were born with the type of talent that Lonzo has and maybe LaMelo has. But now he has no other options, Karan. And this is my biggest issue with LeVar Ball. I don't have a problem with his, his gregariousness. I don't have a problem with him being so ostentatious. I don't care that he's out there saying, I could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. He is selling his brand, and he is selling his sons, and by all accounts, he's a pretty good father. I don't, I don't hear anybody saying that he's a bad father, so I have no issue with that part of it. But by pulling his son out of school, and now not getting him drafted, not getting him at this point invited to a summer league team, I, don't, I think Leangelo is now in an impossible situation because he doesn't have UCLA to fall back on. What do you think? He has a tough situation. You know, he did an excellent job of, you know, uh, just navigating himself through that situation and making light making light out of the, out of the thing that happened over there in, in China wasn't the right way to go about it in the Foot Locker commercial and left a bad taste in people's mouth. And then he's not performing or not the same caliber player of the other two brothers, which you touched on. So I, he's he's in an awkward spot. You know, he really is. But at the same time, he he'd be an excellent agent. He'd be an excellent guy to represent the family, the Triple Bs, because he understands the the movement. He understands the mindset of his father. I think his father would have a great deal of trust in him. And but you know he has to know. Like you have to walk away from the game knowing that look, you left it all out there. You advertise yourself as much as possible. You probably wasn't as talented as you thought you was, and let the chips fall where they may. But he's still in that process of this making sure. You know, confirming that look, I'm not going to have a career in this thing. But he, the, the window is still open. Maybe, maybe it works out for him. Maybe it doesn't. I know he could sell out summer league games. I know people will actually come and watch him and attend the games just to see what will he do out there on the court. Yeah, but no, I don't think they care in the summer league. Like, I mean, first of all, what does a team care if a player sells out summer league games? It's not like they get this big cut of summer league revenue. And not like summer league revenue is all that expensive anyway. It's mostly for and you've you've seen you've been at summer league games. You put, you know, kids from the you get kids from the local area. You give them free tickets. 
Um, and even tickets themselves aren't all that expensive. Like Laker games sell out. Uh, Knicks games often sell out. Uh, top games involving the top draft picks often do really well. But I don't think that's even relevant. I mean, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but... It bring it bring eyes. It, it draws people attention to summer league. Like yeah, but you, you know think, that he's what you said there. What, what you said there about the window not being closed. Come on, man, it's closed. It's closed on this kid. It, he's not going to be an NBA player. I can't close a window on the kid. You never know what can happen, bro. And like, look, it, as a basketball player, I mean, you've seen a little bit of him. Like, you, he, I mean, I keep here reading the stuff about three and D guys, not three and D guy. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to like beat up on him. He's a kid. I just, you know, nobody I've ever talked to has even hinted that he's even close to an NBA player. Look, he's not going to be a G League player. Unless a team wants to... Look, in the G League, if you have a team that's desperately trying to sell tickets, maybe you bring him in. Maybe. Chris, was that your wallet he took? <laughs> no. You own him, bro. You own I'm him. Just trying, I'm just trying to keep it real here, Karan, that, that he's not... <laughs> and look, I just it, this is my problem with what you know LeVar did in pulling him out of school like that. Like, he made a mistake... And I think one of the reasons, look, if he didn't get punished in the way they did, and what did he sit out, like, uh, he sat out a bunch of games, right, before he was pulled out of school. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he had been able to play for UCLA starting in week one, I don't think he would have been pulled out of school. But because he was forced to, to be punished for his you know legitimate crime, like actual crime, um, he was pulled out of school. And, and it took away a major option for him. That just disappoints me is all. I'm with you. And, you know, it's just sad to see, you know, that happen to him. But hopefully uh, everything works out for him going forward. I'm not going to say he's done. I'm not going to shut the window. But I'm going to say it's a draft. Yeah. We just don't leave it a little crack. When we leave a window crack, anything can happen. <laughs> it's a draft. Okay, there you go. All right. From one guy that didn't get drafted, another one that did but drafted later than usual, Michael Porter Jr., uh, a terrific talent. Didn't play many games at Missouri this past year because of a back injury. Came back at the end of the season. Uh, didn't play all that well, but it wasn't surprising uh, in the tournament. He was expected to be maybe in the top four or five. He slips all the way to 14. And for what I heard on draft night, Karan, from teams that passed on him, the medicals were terrible. Like his back is being viewed as a potential career ender. That's how teams are looking at it. Wow. The, the type of injury that he has... I had some teams say it could cost him the entire season. I had other teams say it's going to be chronic for him the rest of his career, and that's what scared him off. I mean, look, there are teams out there that you said, wow, they didn't draft him? Like, are you are you nuts? Like the Knicks, a team that badly needs more star power. You know, a guy like, who have nothing to play for next year, by the way. Like, Porzingis, whenever he comes back, uh, Neil Aquina, year two, they're developing guys, and I think the Knicks next year are okay with getting another high lottery pick. Uh, the Sixers... If Sam Hankey was the GM of that team, Karan, you know they're taking Michael Porter Jr., but they pass on him. Uh, the Clippers, with two picks in that first round, 12 and 13, they make a, a swap that gets them uh, uh, the kid Alexander from Kentucky. They get Jerome Robinson from B.C. Porter, clearly much more upside than either one of those two guys. He falls all the way to 14. That tells me that the medicals must have been terrifying for teams. What does it tell you? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it tells me. Look, People was telling me when this kid was early in, in last season, when the collegiate season started, they were saying like, "Look, Kevin Durant, most talented player in this in this uh, in this draft coming up, and you know, um, aim him like, and then everybody else." And, they, and you know, some yep. people, which you touched on earlier in the show, some people had him, you know, even higher than Aiden. That's the number one pick. Like, confirm he is the number one pick. That's how good this kid is. So 
to send in your medicals and, and your medical report and people be like, you know what, we're, we can't touch this kid. Like, this is a red flag. And, and one of the things that was extremely glaring to me was individual workouts, right? So when you have your pro day and you have people come to your respective location, your gym, and you cannot do your own pro day, like, these are the things that you would, like, run through, like, dummy offense drills. Like, so you see me dribbling around the cone. I, I had to cancel that because I can't even do that because of my health. Yeah, that was uh that was extremely alarming, and I was just like, "Wow, this 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 must it's much more serious than we all thought." I like the decision by Denver to take him because if you look at the guys that were drafted around him, he Washington drafted Troy Brown, which I thought was a massive reach, um, you know, getting him that high. Um, and after that, yeah, they just had guys that didn't have anywhere near the talent that Porter does. And if you're the Denver Nuggets, you don't need Michael Porter Jr. to be a contributing player this year. The Nuggets are going to be competing for a playoff spot in the Western Conference with or without their rookie. I mean, they were just on the cusp last year of uh, of making the playoffs. They didn't, but they're right there, you know, in terms of getting in next year. If they stay healthy, if they get contributions from other guys, growth from other guys, they, uh, they're going to be a good team. Porter gives you an opportunity to, in a year two, year three, to add another star, a cheap star. Like, let's say, look, all that matters is, is if he stays healthy. If that back is healthy, if he's able to go through stuff, look, redshirt him this year. Don't play him this year. Sit him out. Say, we're going to work on getting your back right, getting things figured out. Maybe the very end of the season we'll give you a couple of minutes, and you come back in Summer League 2019, and then you come back ready to play. If he does that, I think it's a great pick for Denver. I think that's the plan. And I think Tim Conley and Calvin Booth and those guys, I I think that's the, the timetable that they had. For this kid, look, let's spend a year of getting him adjusted, building his temple, getting his frame tight, uh, getting his core strong where he's going to have the back issues and stuff like that, teach him all these mechanics, uh, get him running different, change his gait, and he's going to be, you know, best equipped to take on the NBA grind. And let's see mm-hmm. what happens. Let's throw him out there in the fire uh, uh, next summer in the summer league and see, can he carry that load? And I think that's the that's the timetable they're looking at. It was a good risk to take if you're the Nuggets. Again, if he turns out to be a terrific player. High, high reward. High, high reward. I guarantee you there'll be teams underneath him with guys. Don't pan out. It's not a knock on those guys right now, but you look at the history of the draft, how many guys drafted you know, 8 to 14 wind up in, in great players? I mean, probably far less than 50%, uh, I would imagine. So it's a good risk by the Denver Nuggets to take. I like the move. Bold move. By Tim Conley, uh, Josh Kroenke, that whole front office and uh, ownership group. All Just right. keep him in bubble wrap until next yep. summer. <laughs> I'm with you there, man. <laughs> All right, it's Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. A lot more to get to. Bottom of the hour, we're going to bring back Karan Butler's uh, interview with Dwight Howard. Happened on draft night. Dwight, of course, uh, about to be bought out from the Brooklyn by the Brooklyn Nets. Traded for the second time in as many years. We'll get Dwight in, in one year, I should say. We'll get Dwight's thoughts on his pending free agency. What does he want? for his next career move. When we come back, I do want to talk more about free agency, though. And that would be LeBron James, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, maybe impacting it via trade. We'll dive into all that more next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports Radio. It's Chris and Karan here, Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, so we are a week away from free agency. 
And it's expected to be one of the wildest free agencies in recent years. Of course, every time LeBron James is on the market, free agency is pretty bonkers. Uh, LeBron's been a free agent twice in the last eight years. Both those times been, has represented a pretty seismic shift in the balance of power in the NBA. Will it once again? Now, here's my question for you, Karan. The Cavaliers drafted Colin Sexton on draft night. Now, Colin Sexton, the point guard of Alabama, uh, good. He's a tough guy. Doesn't shoot the three particularly well. But he did learn under Avery Johnson, so I think that's a, a positive for him. But what do you think that LeBron James was thinking on draft night when he watched the Cavaliers draft uh, Colin Sexton? Do you think it mattered to him at all? Absolutely not. Okay. I don't think it did. I mean, look, he he's a heck of a talent. And, you know, what Avery Johnson said that he's one of the best players I've seen in the pick-and-roll setting, a guy that can, you know, do some things and, you know, play with his head at the rim, that can play in, in small space and – relatively large space. If he gets real estate, he can make a lot of things happen. Mm. I think that that's exactly what the Cleveland Cavaliers been missing. Another guy that you can throw the ball to and they can operate, create shots for themselves and others. So, you know, it, it, it is a great pickup for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but I don't think it's going to weigh in on LeBron's decision. Yeah, I, I don't, I agree with you. Um, here's what the Cavaliers have to hope though. They have to hope he works out like big time works out because Colin Sexton effectively represents what they got for Kyrie Irving. You know, you put in that trade, that Boston trade, all the pieces are gone except for Ante Zizic, but he's not really a part of what they're doing. Ooh, uh, Jordan, Ooh, exactly. Jordan, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson's going to be gone a year from now, and maybe Larry Nance sticks around for, for a while because he's a pretty decent uh, big man uh, prospect at his position. But Colin Sexton is, is it. I mean, they traded Kyrie Irving largely because of that unprotected Nets pick. I'm sure they hoped that Nets pick was better. I'm sure they hoped it was a top three pick. Uh, but it didn't turn out to be. So now they have to hope that Sexton turns into a player, and I'm just not, I don't know if I see him as a starter, Karan. I don't. I mean, I think he's tough, and I think he can make a really good backup, but I'm not sure I see him as as a starting point guard league. Maybe it's the size thing. How big is he? He's not, not exactly a big guy. Maybe I, I look at size more than than anything else in situations like that. But Size, size is huge, but if you can play, you can play. Yeah. And and that's what's that has yet to be determined on this level, and I'm interested. Uh, I'm interested to see him in summer league play. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing because that's going to be the tail of the tape. You know, you're going to be able to see a lot of things. You know, he dominated on the collegiate level, but let's see what happens going forward. Yeah, yeah, he'll probably be a couple of years. I mean, look, if the Cavaliers wind up losing LeBron, they'll have plenty of time to develop him and rebuild him. You know, in obscurity, basically, because they'll be a very average team. They won't even be a terrible team next year. Because you got too much talent there. I mean, Kevin Love is still there. J.R. Smith is still there. You know, those pieces, they're not going to bottom out, in other words, uh, next season. But I'll be interested to see if, what he turns out to be because that's what they got effectively. Chris, with that team being assembled, all right, say LeBron leaves and that yep. team as assembled, do they, do they make the playoffs? No, not in the East. Um, no, I'm trying to think of who. The eight seed in the East was what, Washington this year? You're not going to jump They're over. They're not better than Washington. No, you're not going to jump over. And like Detroit's going to be probably a little bit better and be in the mix for the eight seed. Yeah, you're not jumping over Washington. You just that and you know Milwaukee's going to be better. Nah, you're just not going to jump over them. That's, not, not happening. No, nah, I mean I think they're probably like a ten or eleven, maybe. <laughs> and that and that's like the worst place that to is be. Crazy. Right? So going from the NBA Finals, uh, back to back to back, pretty much uh, three straight seasons or whatever it was, and then all of a sudden. Not even making the playoffs? Well, isn't that what happened with Cleveland the first time around? 
I mean, they didn't make the finals that final year with LeBron, but they were a 60-plus win team with him, and they went from that team to a team that wound up being bad enough to get the first pick in the draft. And that's that's what he does. LeBron leaves destruction, especially in the wake of Cleveland, uh, when he leaves. So it's kind of where they're they're at right now. I don't I don't think it's uh, I don't think there's anything they can do about it either, unless you offload Kevin Love, you know, for nothing and try to really bottom out and get back into that first pick in the draft mix. I, I think they're stuck with being like a 10, 11 seed. That's going to be such a hard team to coach. I mean, these guys were kind of put together to play off of LeBron James, right? I mean, Kevin Love was acquired because of his three-point shooting. I mean, Kevin Love, if he stays with Cleveland next year, will be like a 28-12 and 12 guy once again. It'll be Minnesota 2.0. Think so? they're just not, they're, I mean, they're not good enough. They're going to throw the ball to Kevin Love and have him... Who else creates offense there? Am I missing someone? Like <laughs> You're not. Maybe they'll, 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 they'll go back to being a bad team and maybe Jordan Clarkson can perform under those circumstances. You yeah, know, he's going to have a lot of opportunity. He's going to light it up then because he he could be a streaky player. He's going to have volume of shots and have the ball in his hand. It, it'd be different for him. Yeah. Not good, that's for sure. Not good for the team in terms of uh, wins and losses. But I tell you, if it's not Cleveland LeBron goes back to, I mean, I'm not sure the Lakers are a great option for him right now. I mean, Kawhi, I think it's safe to say that before July 1st, Kawhi Leonard's not going to get traded. I think if Kawhi Leonard gets traded, it's like mid-July. And even like, you can even go to August. I mean, go back to last year when Kyrie Irving made his trade demand. That happened right around draft time. Mm-hmm. He didn't get traded till the end of August. So if you're the, the Spurs, you're not in any rush to do this. I mean, your only real deadline, frankly, is the trade deadline in February. That's really your only deadline to move this guy. Now, certainly the return, if you trade him before the start of the season, is most likely to be more. But you're not in a huge rush to do this. So they can drag this thing out, effectively turn it into a blind auction. There's a lot of reporting out there about what what they're going to do. I saw something USA Today where they said, not going to get traded to an Eastern Conference team, or a Western Conference team. Not sure I buy that. I think the Spurs are probably going to take the best offer on the table. But they've got time to pull this off. So let's just, so this is where I was going with this. Kawhi Leonard is not traded. Paul George decides he wants to go back to Oklahoma City on a short-term deal. What does LeBron do? Like, I don't believe for a second, Karan, that LeBron is going to L.A. to play with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle. I don't believe it. I still think that I still think that group is better than the team that he has assembled in, in Cleveland right now. I really do. I look at Kyle Kuzma. I look at... You know, Alonzo Ball, I look at Brandon Ingram, I look at the versatility of those guys, and look, it's going to probably take a year because you got to think, all right, look forward to the next summer. Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, if he signed on, and then you have to look at, you know, Kevin Durant's situation, what he's going to do. Is he going to sign a one-on, one-off, or whatever type of deal he's going to sign? Uh, Jimmy Butler's going to be out there, be available. It's a lot of notable names that's going to be out there. And once you're in Los Angeles and people see the product and and see LeBron there on that platform and as the carrot to come play with, you know, look, anything can happen. You know, it really can. Anything can happen. Do you think that LeBron would really waste a year like that? Because, I look, I, I agree with you to some extent that the talent in L.A. may be better than what they have overall in Cleveland. But you heard LeBron say it. It's extremely difficult to kind of start from scratch with the team. And, and build it around, you know, his talents. He, you know, Cleveland, for all their flaws, they are built around his talents. So they're able to play with him. So if he went back to Cleveland, 
maybe they're not a finals team, but they're at least an Eastern Conference finals team, depending on where they finish uh, in the standings. The Lakers, I mean, what are they with LeBron James? A six seed, five seed in the West? Maybe? You think LeBron would really waste a year like that when he's 33 years old, be 34 midseason? It, it, it considers, a, like, what do you consider a waste year? Like, what I, what I look at is I see LeBron as, you know, being on a different layer of his career where he's like, all right, look, I'm making a, this seamless transition into entertainment and all these other things that I'm doing, and Los Angeles is the market that I'm going to be in and going to reside in for here on out, and this is me making that transition. It's not even about chasing titles no more. You know what I mean? Like, you, you see so many guys coming out saying, look, he shouldn't chase titles anymore, and we don't know what his thing is. He's going to be arguably the, the top three or four players ever to play the game of basketball. Already as a symbol, when we when we sit back and look at his resume, that's what it's going to say. So that's already written in stone. So now, I mean, what is it about? Is it about you know chasing ghosts still, or is it about you know rewriting history and doing it in one of the best markets to do that? Well, that's different. Like if you're talking about off the court stuff and that not being a waste of a year, okay, I get that. Look, he's doing a lot of things off the court, Hollywood, the uninterrupted platform. Uh, which I believe he's going to use to make his next decision, so to speak. Uh, he's doing a lot of things uh, off the court. But on the court, I'm just saying, you go back to Cleveland, you've got at the very least a chance to make the NBA Finals. You know, I think Boston's the favorite in the Eastern Conference right now. Philadelphia, they're going to be right there. I think Milwaukee's better with Mike Budenholzer as the head coach. But you've at least got a chance to make the Finals. You put LeBron with the Lakers next season Eastern Conference at best, at best, you're a second-round team. I know LeBron's great, Karan, but in that conference, unless you're the five seed, I don't know how you win a first-round series against Golden State, against Houston. Uh, who am I missing there? Top of the conference. There's Golden State, State, Houston, San Antonio. San Antonio, uh, if they're still together, but who knows there. I think Minnesota's going to be better with Jimmy Butler healthy this year. Uh, Utah, who, who knows what they do. I think they got. I think Utah, by the way, got a good player in Grayson Allen. I think that was a smart pick uh, by them. I, I just I, said I, that's Grace me. Green's going to trip you. He's gonna, yeah, he fits <laughs> yeah, 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 perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I just think from a basketball perspective, it's a wasted year next year. If you don't get Paul George to go with you, and even if you do, frankly, I don't think you win anything. Um, next year, I think I wonder if LeBron would say, you know what? If he finds out that Paul George goes back, and this is why I think LeBron's going to drag this thing out. If he finds out Paul George goes back. Doesn't it make more sense for him to go one plus one with the Cleveland again? I mean, run that back for one more year, then see what happens in the summer of 2019? I, I think if he go back with a one plus one with Cleveland and just look forward to them you know, making a, the, the finals again, that's not happening yeah. with that team as a symbol. Uh, that's going to be the, the Celtics all day. If yeah. they're healthy, I think the Boston Celtics is going to you know, pretty much run through the Eastern Conference next season. Uh, they went seven games with the Celtics without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. We'll have to imagine that with those two guys, the Celtics would roll uh, against Cleveland. But it's interesting. You know, Paul George's decision I don't think is is any more, uh, you know, fait accompli, if you will. I don't think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lock that he goes to L.A. or anything like that. All right, we'll talk more about that. When we come back, uh, I do want to talk more. Uh, I want to do a play, actually. Karan's interview with Dwight Howard, which he had on draft night. Terrific interview. Then we'll talk some about Dwight Howard and his next step. But first, here's David Gascon with what's going on out there. What's up, David? Gentlemen, FIFA World Cup action continues, and there wasn't a lack of goals being scored today. Japan going right down the wire. Look to the back post. Osaka, the punch is missed. There's an open goal, and it's Kisuke Honda scoring into it. Two 
call courtesy of Fox that happened in the 78th minute. Japan and Senegal played to a 2-2 draw. Then earlier on today... Picture of concentration. Harry Kane does it again. A five-star first half from England against Panama. And that call courtesy of Fox as well. Harry Kane with a hat trick and... England all over Panama. They led 5-0 at the end of the first half and cruised an easy 6-1 victory. In about 30 minutes from now, I get Poland and Colombia. Again, all that action is available on Fox. Switch on over to Major League Baseball. A handful of games just underway. Rays on top of the Yankees in Tampa. Two zip. Mariners and Red Sox just started. There's no score. Bottom of the second from Fenway. Indians won. Tigers nothing. The Dodgers are all over the Mets again. Max Muncy has homered in consecutive games. He's got 15 long balls for L.A. 2-0. Dodgers over the Mets. That game sits in the top of the second inning. Gentlemen. Chris and Karan here, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Maddox, Yahoo Sports, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So on draft night, Karan Butler, who is the greatest booker I've ever seen, he uh, had uh, Dwight Howard on the show. And as we learned this past week, Dwight Howard traded uh, from the Charlotte Hornets to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, the second time in a calendar year that Dwight Howard has been traded. The Nets, they proceeded to tell Dwight that we are going to buy you out. For what? So what's next for Dwight Howard? Here's Karan Butler and the gang talking to Dwight. You know, there's been a lot of reports that, you know, a trade has been, you know, formed and involving you going to Brooklyn. Just let me know your future plans and and once it officially go through, you know, what are you thinking going forward? Uh, well, with the situation um, of, of me getting traded, you know, one, it was kind of blindsided. You know, I uh, literally found out right before I was about to do a charity event. Um, and also I found out on, on Instagram, uh, I found out through the comment section on one of my pictures. Uh, so I was in total oh. shock about the whole situation. And... Um, you know, I wasn't upset the fact that they uh, I was traded to Brooklyn. It was more so of a shock because I I thought that I had a really good year this year, amazing year. And um, uh, when I when they said I was going to Brooklyn, I said, you know what, I'm going to go in there and um, you know make the best of the situation. And then um, actually, I think what's going to happen is going to be a buyout, and uh, I'll make myself a, a free agent. You know, for uh, this summer. Now that that's that's crazy because the second I got wind of the news, I found out the same way you did, which is extremely unfortunate. But that's hap- that happens a lot in our business. But why do you feel like you get such a bad rap, you know, around the league and just through so many sources? Because I know you're away from the game of basketball. You're a great person, but why do you feel you get such a great a bad rap? Oh well, I just think it's it's a lot of people making up a lot of different stories, and they come up with this narrative about you know, who I am. And my grandma always has always told me a lie, don't care who tell it. And, you know, that's how I look at it. You know, a lot of people have said a lot of things about me that, you know, is unfair, you know. And, uh, you know, my main thing is I just want to go out there and win, you know, and give a team, any team that I've been on, the best of me, you know. Um, I came in this league at 18, and, you know, I think everybody – you know, when you come in at a young age, you know, people see all your mistakes. You know, this is not like going to college or, you know, you know, 
just basically being out of the public eye. You know, we are in the public eye every single day. You know, so every mistake I made, everything that, you know, has happened in my past has been put out there publicly. And it's kind of basically gave people an opinion based off, you know, what they've heard and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, my actions, you know, have kind of made people feel a certain type of way. And, you know, I really want that to change, you know, because it's really not who I am. I've never been that way. Um, there's no way I could be win community assist awards and be the best person in the community but be a bad teammate you know that doesn't really go well together you know um i'm not that type of person you know and i totally hate that um and i really want to do whatever i can to change that because you know it's not it's not right and um, i've tried my best and any teammate that you know has ever felt that way i would love for them to come out and you know say say it's them you know, put an address on it, you know, so, you know, this can get cleared out and we can move forward. You know, I love the fact that you're always honest about the situation at hand. And look, we all have our flaws and, you know, we learn from mistakes. And clearly you've learned from whatever adversity that you've been through over your career. But if you get this buyout in this request, what type of situation are you looking for going forward? Is it a mentor role? I mean, obviously you're coming off a spectacular year. Is it a a winning situation? What is it about? Uh, well, I just want to be on a winning situation, you know, um, in a situation where I can just be free and just play basketball. Um, that's what it's about, you know. Uh, I would say in my 20th season, I'll be fine with, you know, mentoring more and, you know, you know, waving from the bench and, you know, trying to push the young guys. But I still got a lot of basketball in me. And the knowledge that I have today can really help me and help any type of team. You know, uh, I think the last couple of years, the reason why, you know, uh, you could say that I haven't had good seasons is because of my health. And last year was the healthiest I've been in some time. You know, and I'm fairly uh, fairly young. 32 is not an old player. Um, but if you look at guys like LeBron and also Chris Paul, they're, a lot, they're older than me. Um, and they're still playing at a high level. And, you know, I'm the same way. And I want to talk to the guys, you know, because I think the biggest thing that, you know, for me and that I, you know, I think will be best is to let the guys know, like, I know you've had this perception of me because of what's being said, but this is not me. This is what I want to do. I want to win. I want to play at a high level. I want to enjoy this game because this game can end at any moment. You know, as Karan can tell you, it goes by fast, and I mean, it's, it's shocking for me to say that I'm going into my 15th season, you know what I'm saying, but it goes by fast, and I would just let those guys know whatever team it is, like, yo, I know what you heard. I'm not that type of person. I want to win, and I want to push you and push myself to the limit, and that's all I know. Um, so, uh, man, it's, it's a tough time going through free agency, but I've heard from the, the coaches, from the owners, GMs, but the main people you want to really try to build with is the guys that you're going to be fighting with night in and night out on the court. Absolutely. And, you know, my last question for you before we end the interview, man, is just your legacy and how how do you want to truly be remembered? Uh, well, I think that a lot of people have looked at my career and said it's underrated and said I should have done this, that, and the third. Um, but 
man, I don't. I want to be remembered as one of the best people to ever walk this earth, and it goes deeper than basketball. Um, my whole life, I've wanted to change uh, the world, see people smile and enjoy themselves, and basketball has given me that platform to entertain people for those two, three hours at the game where they can say, man, I actually got a chance to see Dwight Howard play. And it was it was amazing. You know, so that's that's the kind of legacy that, you know, I love. Appreciate you, brother. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming man, on the show. You. That's Dwight Howard uh, with our own Karan Butler speaking on draft night shortly after Dwight learned that he was being traded to the Nets. Of course, he is being bought out by the Nets and he'll hit the free agent market. A lot to unpack in that interview. Dwight Howard, one of the biggest names in basketball, a Hall of Famer. We'll do all that more next. Chris and Karan here on Fox Sports. Hey, are you here right now? It's Chrissy Garan here, Fox Sports Radio. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. All right, great interview. By Karan, that last segment, he spoke to Dwight Howard on draft night. Dwight, of course, uh, going to be a free agent. Nets going to buy him out. He's got a $24 million contract. The Nets will find some kind of middle ground with him, probably around $20 million, I'm going to guess, and buy him out of his contract. And uh, First, Karan, let me get your takeaways from speaking to Dwight. What did you get from that conversation? Well, I, I felt like he, he, he definitely was shocked by the decision of the Charlotte Hornets, you know, trading him, as he touched on. He found out through social media, and he didn't receive a phone call or anything like that. He yeah, that also, sucks. Yeah, that that was crazy. And he also was bothered, but you know, you know what? That's that's what you see a lot of. So like I want people to really like let that sit in when you're understanding that guy's gonna make free agent decisions this summer come July first, and understand that it is a business. So when guys decide to go somewhere else, don't think that they're leaving the 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 organization stranded and blame the individual for, oh, man, he's so wrong. Cause look look what's happened. This happens all the time, you know? But to move away from that, just to pivot back to what we was discussing, um, I think I thought he did an excellent job of just venting out and just saying, look, this is the perception of me, and I want to change that. I'm all about winning. I have a lot of basketball left in me. And he was open. He was honest. He was like, you know, some of, some of the uh, criticisms that, that he receives is, you know, is warranted and is self-inflicted. But, look, he's he's going to be better going forward, and he just wants to win. And he is a future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, he is. The number states it. And he's going to be in a situation where he can kind of, you know, improve on that legacy. One of the things I cringed at during that interview, not from you, but from Dwight, uh, him talking about the stuff written about him in the media – and that affecting him, the media didn't trade him twice in a year. The media didn't dump him for Miles Plumley and his bad contract. The media didn't dump him for uh, Timothy Mozgov, who has a bad contract. The media isn't paying him twenty million dollars not to play. I understand. I, I understand that there's some perceptions of him that I don't want to call them unfair, but exaggerated. Maybe I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But you've got two teams, Karan, three now, that said, no, 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 we don't want any part of you. We're done. We don't want you around our team. Like, if that's not a wake-up call for Dwight Howard, I don't know what will be. In one year, 
You've had three bad teams, non-playoff teams. The Hawks, the Hornets, and now the Nets say, we don't want any part of you. That has to be a wake-up call for him, doesn't it? Yeah, I I think it's a wake-up call whenever you're being shipped and moved around and uh, you're playing your best basketball. Of, of of the last couple of years. And that's exactly what he was doing in Charlotte. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't winning basketball because they didn't make the playoffs, but he looked great. You know, he really did from a physical standpoint, jumping high again, putting the ball on the floor, showing a lot of moves, being part of, you know, so many highlights that we see on television. But to get traded, like, he was shocked. I was shocked because I was like, all right, they're going to be good going forward. Like, you know, they got two great pieces in Kimba and him and, you know, maybe some someone will want to come and play. It is the Eastern Conference. They can anything's possible, but you know that's just you know devastating. And and I think wherever he go, he's going to be a better version of himself. Okay, here's the question though, from a basketball perspective: Is Dwight Howard as valuable in today's NBA as he was ten years ago when he was a young player coming into his own in the NBA? In today's NBA, as you know, Karan, big men with versatility are more valuable. Al Horford at the five is more valuable. Uh, yeah, the finals are a little bit tricky to look at because LeBron carried the uh, the Cavaliers to where he did. But five men with versatility on both ends of the floor are more valuable than ever before. Dwight Howard is playing in a league where the pick and roll is the number one play in this league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And Dwight Howard defending the pick and roll isn't what he used to be. Dwight Howard, you know, the back injury has robbed him of something. And defensively, I don't think he's as big an asset on the perimeter as he has been in years past. I think that costs him a little bit. Do you agree? Yeah, I think the game has changed, too. I think, Like you said, non-positional guys, guys that can stretch, be in a pick-and-roll situation, be on the perimeter doing things, the activity on the pick-and-roll, ball handler, playmakers at that position. Um, but he's still effective, you know, and – you know, he had to find a way to be effective in this game and play with that pace. And he's still a productive guy, you know, at a at, at a reasonable number, and I think he can be an asset to a team. Yeah, I mean, what is that reasonable number, though? I mean... I, I don't know, roughly. I mean, if he <laughs> if he drops down, I'm looking at, it, looking at it right now, you know, over his career earnings, over $190 million, uh, was looking to get 23.5 this year. Um, that reasonable number. I mean, if you you want to stretch out and get year, I would say somewhere between, you know, eight eight to twelve. Ooh, that's not gonna happen. That's that's that's, I, that's not gonna happen. I mean, that's what he's probably gonna be looking for. Like the, you said, the Pelicans it. will definitely be you know someone to be an interest. Yes. So if you can't get Demarcus Cousins and you can get uh, Dwight for a three year with his star power, still has a a super uh, a superstar name in this game for eight to twelve. I mean, it may work. He's only going to get, most likely, one year, $3 million. Oh, wow. That's what the market is for Dwight Howard. It's it's a reality that he and his team are going to have to one year, come to grips with. One year, $3 million. Yep. Maybe a little more if a team has space, but one year. Wow. That's all it's at. Wow. We'll talk more about that top of the hour. It's Chris and Karan right here. Coming in one more hour. Fox Sports Hey, it's Chris and Garan, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Maddox, Yahoo Sports, Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion, and we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote today. Hour three of the program, we're about three days off of uh, the NBA draft. 
That taking place Thursday night. Some interesting names that we're going to get into later in the show. But I want to talk first about the top of the draft, Karan. And three guys that I think are going to be intertwined for the rest of their careers. And that's Marvin Bagley at two, Luka Doncic at three, and Trey Young at five. These are three guys that have kind of a connectivity to each other now because of what happened on draft night. The Kings, of course, they debated Doncic versus Marvin Bagley. They went with Bagley. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks drafting at number three. They didn't love Doncic, so they traded back on an extra first-round pick in 2019. They get Trey Young at five. The Dallas Mavericks, who've got kind of a history with uh, European talent. There's a guy named Dirk that's still there in Dallas. Uh, they draft the top international player in this draft, Doncic, who has uh, tremendous potential as a uh, small forward prospect in the NBA. So you got three guys there who are always going to be kind of intertwined there. Jaron Jackson kind of sandwiched in between to Memphis. We can get into them later. But these three guys, Bagley, Doncic, and Trey Young. Uh, going into the draft, garage, you looked at those three. Who did you like best? Who do you like the most as an NBA player? I love Bagley. You know, I really did. Uh, I, I love what he brings to the table. I love the, the pedigree of, you know, going to the University of Duke and, having that time with Coach K and that system and understanding how to be a professional, preparation on and off the court, I think he was ready. You know, I think he's ready for the moment. And, you know, obviously, you know, Doncic is going to be amazing and been playing professional for some time, going to an unbelievable organization uh, in the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, it, look, I think he's going to have a chance to blossom. He, he really is, you know. And then I also look at Trey Young's situation and, I think it's going to be great because that organization and that city is going to, you know, rally behind him and they want him to succeed. So, relatively good situation for all those young men. They're all going to be connected, which you touched upon. But Bagley is going to have, I feel like, the best instant impact and in immediate, uh, you know, career uh, going forward. How do you think Bagley fits in with that culture there? Because you were part of that team, and look, at the time you were there, it was as as messy as you can get. I mean, George Carl battling with the front office. You know, there was expectations. I think in your last season there, he was going to get fired uh, at midseason. That changed at the 11th hour. Uh, the front office, though, is still the same. You know, Vlade Divac is there. Uh, ownership is still the same. They're kind of goofy um, with that uh, that ownership group. I mean, is this, you think that's an environment that Bagley can can thrive in? It it that, That's the thing. You know, like, when we talk about franchise players and we talk about guys that change organizations and things like that, the, the, the organizations that they go to are usually like what the Sacramento Kings is. You know, and then they, they change everything because they are the 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 the, the talent, the, the thing that draw people in and everything, and they make it, you know, uh, super – just, you know, a great environment for progress. And I think Bagley is that type of talent where you're going to come to the arena and you're going to be in awe of him, you know, putting up, you know, 18 and 10 every night or maybe possibly 20 and 10 because Zach Randolph's doing it, you know, leading the team and scoring in year 16, 17, whatever it may be. And I think that he's going to be the guy that you're going to, you know, put everything around and run the offense through. And him and Darian Fox is going to be, you know, something fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I like the Fox and you know, you know putting two guys like Bagley and Fox together, two guys that are versatile that can uh, probably play in the open floor a little bit together. I do worry about what kind of front court they're going to put together because, you know, uh, Bagley shot like close to forty percent from three last year, but he only took under two attempts, so it's not like he was this consistent stretch uh, four guy. And they're talking about pairing him with Harry Giles, who was a first round pick last year, who 
played sparingly because of that uh, those knee injuries. I don't know what he's going to look like, um, you know, coming back from from all these injuries. Uh, but when he does come back, he wasn't a three point shooter in college either. In today's NBA, Karan, very few teams now that you know Memphis has kind of been broken up. Very few teams play power four and power five. You've got to have some spacing, don't you, at that front court position? You got to have a ton of spacing. But I think that's something that is going to be ruled for improvement. Like no one is going to come into the association ready for everything. We we have yet to see that. We the closest thing we saw to it was. You know, LeBron James coming into the association highly hyped and scoring 25-5 and five a night at a clip. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have a lot of room for improvement, going to adjust to the new wave and the new style of the NBA. But he's definitely capable of that. You know, he has the body type. He has the score mentality. He has the edge, feeling that he's the best prospect with the highest ceiling in this draft. There's three of those guys that feel that way. Aiden, Mo Bamba is another one. So I think that He's just going to come in and just prosper, and I think the organization want to see him succeed at all costs. All right, so the connection between Bagley and Doncic is is one thing, but you look at, at Doncic and uh, Trey Young, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of 2008, that draft class. And you remember what happened in the top five of that class? You had Kevin Love flipped for O.J. Mayo that year. Two guys draft, I think only a couple of picks uh, apart, I have to double check on on that. I'm looking at it right now. Derrick Rose, yeah, uh, Kevin Love at five, OJ Mayo three. So exactly the same in this sense. Three five kind of swap. Kevin Love turned into a multi time All Star. OJ Mayo had a decent career, uh, but nothing close to what Kevin Love has done at this point. That's why these two guys, you know, if one of them turns out to be a major star and the other one flops or at least is only average, uh, you know, we'll be talking about it. I do think that Doncic has the higher ceiling of these two players. And Doncic is going to a situation where I think there's more structure and a better chance for him to develop early on. Maybe not turn into a great player early on, but to develop good habits playing under Rick Carlisle and for that Mavericks uh, organization. And you're playing with one of the all-time great, maybe the all-time great international import ever in Dirk Nowitzki. So there's that. Atlanta, Trey Young projects as a point guard, doesn't he? I know it's a positionless league, but... In Atlanta, you've got Trey Young, but you've also had Dennis Schroeder there, who is not does not have the best reputation in Atlanta. I think they have to find a taker for Dennis Schroeder because maybe they can play together, but I'm not sure I want Schroeder there when he knows that Trey Young is there to take his spot. So the Atlanta organization, certainly less stability there with their new coach, uh, relatively new top executive. I, I think Doncic is in a better spot to develop than Trey Young is. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a process, and you're gonna like you touched on. You're gonna have to put you know Schroeder in his place, or you know put him in a situation where he can go somewhere else because you don't want that vibe and that energy in the in the locker room is going to be a ton of competition. But the writing is on the wall. Uh, Trey Young is the the guy of the future that they're going to be invested in going forward, and you know Schroeder needs a, a fresh start. But you know as you touched on, you know Doncic is going to have an amazing opportunity. You know, with the Dallas Mavericks, you know, Mark Cuban is going to put him in a situation to be successful on and off the court. You know, Rick Carlisle is going to do an excellent job of that. So, like, I, I think it's just amazing to see what's going to happen going forward with, you know, both of those young men. But best believe they're both going to have young, you know, and extremely bright uh, futures. You know, the one thing you have to watch out with Trey Young is that not to expect him to be Steph Curry. I know we make that comparison all the time. Steph Curry in his first year at Golden State played 80 games, 37 minutes a game, averaged 17 points per game, 7.5 points per game. Do not expect Trey Young to come in and do that. Don't do it. If for no other reason 
Then Steph Curry came out of Davidson after his junior year. Steph Curry had a great NCAA tournament to end his uh, his college career. Trey Young was a freshman who effectively came out of nowhere this year. Now, he did some unbelievable things at Oklahoma, ridiculous things at Oklahoma. He was triple teamed a lot at Oklahoma. He still led the nation what in, in scoring and assists, uh, put up some big assist numbers this year. Don't expect him, though, to step in and be Steph Curry. That's what I wonder about Trey Young. Does the pressure to be the next Steph Curry overwhelm him to some degree? Does he start to get too... That people ask too much of him. Now, I think it's a good thing that he's in Atlanta. Now, Atlanta, eh, say what you want about him, but there's not a lot of pressure in Atlanta right now. Not a lot of hype around them to succeed. He's going to be able to grow organically, especially if they move Dennis Schroeder out. But I wonder, Karan, does, do the expectations of being Steph Curry-esque in year one, does that weigh him down a little bit? No, I don't think so. And, and, and like you just touched on, you know, look, expectations in Atlanta is going to be another thing because – you know, that is hot Atlanta, and that's going to be a place where a lot of people is going to, you know, come out to these games and expect certain things, you know, because he's going to be the ticket. He's going to be the drawing. He's going to be the uh, the face of the franchise going forward, and people are going to be excited to see him play, and that's, you know, becoming one of the entertainment capitals of the world, you know, and they're going to put on the show, and it's going to be a big produ- production, and he's the face of it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens there. And, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies, I don't know what they're doing. I, I really don't. I, I'm not. I wasn't a big Jaron Jackson think Memphis guy. Understand what they're doing. I here. wasn't a huge Jaron Jackson guy. I mean, good player, a lot of upside, but who would know, you have took if you was Memphis at that spot? I mean, so many people already had said they didn't want to be there. I mean, what do you do? I you, probably would have taken Trey Young there if I didn't. I might have taken Mo Bamba there. I know that Mo Bamba didn't give them any medicals and didn't want to work out there. But <laughs> at some point, at some point, you just say screw it and say. Eh. So you, yeah, we so, so you're you're that friend that invite people to your party even though they say they're busy. Uh yeah. If if if, they, if I know they have to go, <laughs> if they're contractually required, I mean nobody who's the fourth pick in the draft is going to say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go play overseas for three years or whatever it is. Like that's not going to happen. Like the threat. Somebody said, and this was this was not a good take. Somebody said that like the the Kings were worried about Doncic not coming over if they drafted him. Like no, no, they weren't. They were not worried about that. Doncic was going to come over. Maybe he'd prefer to be in Dallas, but he was coming to Sacramento. Uh, a guy like Bamba, even if he didn't work out there, he would have gone. He absolutely would have gone. Had no so choice. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that was a threat. I just don't. I don't know what Jaron Jackson is necessarily. I don't know what he projects out to kind of be. I mean, that might have even been a spot if I was Memphis, and you know, given the medicals, and I think they, I think they red flagged him pretty good, but. If uh, if I'm them, I might have thought about Porter Jr. at that spot. I might have just take a gamble. Just take. I mean, you got to do something, right? If you're, I mean, Memphis is such a messy situation. Like I think they blew it in not uh, trading Marcus Gasol last year. I would have moved him and tried to get something for him, even if it's fifty cents in the dollar, because you're not going to win with Marcus Gasol. You're not. He's he's got one year left in his contract, maybe two. I think he can opt into the contract, but you're not going to win with him on that roster. So. You got Mike Conley coming back from a bad foot injury. You're not a playoff team in the Western Conference. So if it's, you know, you lose Porter for an entire year, but you have a chance to get another high lottery pick next year, you need a star there, Karan. You need something to revitalize that franchise with the grit and grind era of, you know, basically being over. I, I just I just didn't see it happen. I don't see it happen. I think it's going to be a process. I think they're... Uh... You know, a thing of the past. You know, for some. Do you like time. Jaron Jackson? Do you? Do you? I mean, what do you think? I mean, he's a good player. I I, I don't even see him as being like a, a starter in the NBA. You know, really? I think he's going to be a, a a good player. You you just don't know 
until, you know, you see him on a consistent basis, you know. But I think Memphis struggled for years, you know, with attendance and those things. You know, they always had sellouts for the playoffs. But, look, you know, the only thing sellout in Memphis is Graceland. And and that's that's beyond time now for that. So I, I think it's, you know, just a process of where they have to rebuild and it's going to take some time. Yeah, I, I don't know if Jackson is an NBA-level three-point shooter, uh, and if he's not, that's a major problem. Huge. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, he he wasn't look. You look at his his potential. He didn't produce in college. He averaged what eleven points and six rebounds as a freshman. Like I, I he wasn't a productive college player necessarily. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. That, that seemed like a, a reach, and they they can't afford to miss with that. But I mean, Memphis, and but, but the other part of it is Memphis has been bad at drafting. Like in recent years, they have been bad. Look at their list of guys they drafted. Been bad, bad. at drafting in free agency. Yes, bad. I mean you don't expect guys to go there, and I didn't have a problem at the time with them overpaying Chandler Parsons because the only way to get somebody to go to Memphis is to overpay them. But they have not been good at drafting. Look I at the did. guys they passed on. You're, you're well. Come right, on, man! Well, if you overpay somebody to come to your organization, look, Chandler Parsons. Look, he was injured. He got the injury. You can't do anything about that. I'm glad yep. he got paid. He, he's a, a hell of a person. I'm happy with the contract. But I'm just saying, like, it didn't warrant uh, Memphis to jump out on the limb like that and pay that type of money for Chandler mm-hmm. Parsons at the time, even well, with the year the, that he was having. All right, we, we're going to take a break. But at, at the time, though, right, I mean, quickly, they were a team looking to compete. I mean, they had Gasol, Conley, they had a whole small four. I think they saw Parsons as a way to get out of the Western Conference at that point, right? I mean, looked like it to me. I don't know about that one. <laughs> And maybe not. <laughs> maybe that's wishful thinking. All right, I want to get into some stuff about Dwight Howard. We talked about him last hour. Karan did a great interview with him on draft night, and uh, I want to see what's next for Dwight Howard. Plus the free agency of LeBron James and uh, Paul George. Loom, one week away from the start of free agency. We'll dive into all that more next. Chris and Karan. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer too. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. It's Chris and Karan here, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Free agency, about a week away. A lot of big names on the market. Another guy that will be on the market is Dwight Howard. Traded twice in the calendar year. Atlanta sends him to Charlotte. Charlotte sends him to Brooklyn. Brooklyn says, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to buy you out. Last hour we played the interview, Karan did a great interview with Dwight Howard on draft night. And what what, what is, makes me curious about Dwight Howard, Karan, is you know, where, where is he at mentally in terms of what is the next best step for his career? We talked about money, and we ran out of time at the uh, end of the last segment. But we talked about money, and the possibility that you, like you said, Dwight could be looking for like eight to twelve million dollars per year. That's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, the only way he's getting that is if he go plays in China. Like that's the only. I don't even think they'd pay him that much. If he wants to play in the NBA again, he could probably go to a terrible team at like four or five million dollars, maybe, or he'll go to a winning team. And play for the veterans minimum. And if I'm Dwight Howard, Karan, I'm playing for the veterans minimum because I'm already getting twenty million dollars or so from the Brooklyn Nets. So I've got my money for this year. This is extra money. 
And this is a chance for Dwight Howard to rehabilitate that image. Now, I don't know if he truly understands that the negative image from him doesn't come from the media. It just doesn't. Maybe it's exaggerated to some degree in the media. But like I told you last hour, the media didn't trade him from Atlanta. The media didn't trade him from Charlotte. The media didn't tell a young Brooklyn team to say thanks but no thanks. This is Dwight Howard. He has effectively been dumped by three teams in the last year. And if you're not woken up by that, Karan, I don't know what you are if you're Dwight Howard. He has to recognize that this is about him. He has to figure out what's going on with him. What is it? His attitude? Is it the way he comports himself? Something is happening. You've been around enough guys, enough guys that are, are bad in the locker room. You know the teams don't want to have those guys around no matter how talented they are. Yeah, I think it's a combination of many things, and you touched on it. I think is you know, being somewhere, um, you know, having habits that's not favorable, and then the media, you know, us being on this side of the, of the space where you have to report what you hear or what you see or what you think the problem is and the truth of the situation and scenarios. And that's exactly where, you know, he's not being a victim. You know, he's not playing a victim. He's been been honest and, you know, came on the show to express those things. Like, look, you know, some of these things are warranted, self-inflicted, and it's things that I have to be better at. And, you know, going forward, that's exactly what I tend on doing. I, You know, I want to be a better version of myself. I want my legacy to be a great person, you know, on this earth, not just basketball. And I'm, I'm thinking winning right now. And, and when he said all those things, you know, it, 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 it hit home. It, it struck a nerve. I was like, you know what, that's, that's what it's all about. I, I think, you know, it's all about growth and, you know, maturing on the fly. And that's exactly what it seems like taking place with Dwight Howard. Look, I don't doubt that Dwight Howard is a good person. You mentioned those community assist awards. Um, his personality has always been, something of a positive. Uh, but as a basketball player, there are legitimate concerns about his commitment to winning every night and just putting up good numbers. As you know, that doesn't mean there's a strong commitment to winning. That doesn't mean you're a good guy to have on your team. Look, one of the people you're closest with, Kobe Bryant, guy that was on this show. What did Kobe Bryant Karan, think of Dwight Howard? <laughs> That's, I'll leave it at that. Okay, so you know what? I'll, I won't make you go there. <laughs> just to laugh off. <laughs> but we know, we know what Kobe, I mean, you want to put up the video of Kobe going soft, 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 over and over again in that first game that Dwight Howard played to Houston. Kobe doesn't think that Dwight is is a winner. Um, and you look at some of these other teams. They didn't really think it. And I got to tell you, Karan, I, I've heard this from Dwight before. I've heard the, and not the, again, I want to put the, 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 the be a good person stuff aside because I do think he's a good person. But I have heard him talking about repairing his basketball image, uh, playing for a winner, heard that when he signed with Atlanta, heard that when he was traded to Charlotte, and I'm hearing that right now. I'm hearing it, but I'm not seeing it yet. And, and look, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but just just putting up numbers does not mean you're a winning player. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and I, and I think that you know when you go through the transition of being moved around, shopped around, uh, you know, thinking that you're valued at this and other people uh, having a different perspective about your value and where you're at. It's a reality check. And I know him on the court as a competitor, and then I know him away from the game of basketball. And I think this one right here really hit home. I think this move, I think the way that it was done, I think that, you know, all those things just, it was like a domino effect. And when it hit him, and I think he's like, you know what? I have to reevaluate 
my career. I had to reevaluate how I how I am as accessed in this game and how I'm viewed as a person and as a professional. And I think going forward, I think he's going to be better because I don't, I don't think he wants to be viewed as anything but an asset to an organization. If I'm Dwight Howard and I'm about to enter free agency, I do it around July 6th, um, I, first of all, I don't worry about money. I tell my agents, forget about money. The veteran minimum is fine. I'm getting paid anyway. I need to repair my image. I need to become a winning basketball player, be considered a winning basketball player. There are two situations I would look at right away. The first is New Orleans. The Pelicans have had interest in Dwight Howard in the past. They tried to trade for him when he was with Atlanta. It didn't work out. The Pelicans have an issue with DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think they want to pay him what DeMarcus is looking for. So if DeMarcus walks, all of a sudden you have a hole at that five spot. Now, maybe you're not a starter full-time in New Orleans because you know they were pretty damn effective with that Anthony Davis, Nikola Miritich front line. But you're a starter part of the time. You take the physical pressure off of Anthony Davis, and you put yourself with Rajon Rondo. Look, you play with Rondo, too. Don't you think Rondo and Dwight Howard on the court would make a pretty good pick-and-roll combination? Absolutely. I think Rondo's going to put you in a situation where you can be successful. You know, it's high basketball IQ. All you got to do is make yourself available and, uh, you know, run the floor, get to the paint. You know, he has a basketball mind to, you know, make sure that you're rewarded for playing the right way. Yeah, I think Rondo and Howard would work really well together offensively, but Rondo's another guy. Rondo wasn't a big fan of Dwight Howard when uh, he was playing against him. But anyway, uh, that's one situation I would consider. If they move on from DeMarcus Cousins, I would run towards that situation. Low pressure, too, playing in New Orleans. Not a lot of media attention down there. You can resuscitate your career to some degree there. The other one is Boston. And as I said uh, when the trade happened, Danny Ainge, the GM of the Celtics, another guy that's been interested in Dwight Howard in the past. When he was with Houston, Boston kicked the tires on trading for him. The price was just too high at that point. You go out there if you're Boston. Let's say they have to lose Aaron Baines. You bring in Dwight Howard at the minimum. Dwight Howard can be a winner in Boston. What's Boston's biggest problem right now? What's their biggest issue going into postseasons? It's rim protection. It's blocking shots. It's rebounding. How often have the Celtics been out-rebounded by the Cavaliers, by the Sixers? They get beat up on the glass because for all of Al Horford's talents, he is not a great rebounder. You bring Dwight Howard in, you put him in a Brad Stevens system, playing off Kyrie Irving, playing off Gordon Hayward, he will not put up the same numbers, but he'll be in a position to win Karan. He would win games in Boston. Don't have to sign a multi-year deal. Do it for one year, veterans minimum, get your money from Brooklyn, play for Boston, play for New Orleans, and become a winner. Like he, If, if he's as healthy as he looks, and he played 81 games last year, he could still play for three or four more years. But if he plays like, if he acts like the same goofball he's been for his last few stops, he's not going to be a wanted man. He's going to wind up in China, where he's still popular, very popular guy in China. But he's going to wind up playing there. So I, I think if you're, if you're Dwight, Chris, those he's two not teams, going to China. Okay, okay, I know you said that before. But I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still just saying that's where the most money might be. Yeah. That's it. If we're just talking money. But don't you? I mean, do, do you disagree? I mean, I agree with New Orleans, everything. Boston. I agree with everything you said, except for the China thing. <laughs> I was like, China once you threw right. China out there, I was like, all right, he reaches. But outside of that, you 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 on point. Like, I, I think if it's about winning, and I think it's a, if it's about being with an excellent organization and planning a system where you can attribute uh, contribute immediately. Uh, look, Brad Stevens, they got that thing rolling, and yep. they 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 had it rolling without even having. 
the the superstar talent out there on the court. So now you add that addition and then add a rim protector like a Dwight Howard in that system. Hey, come on, man. You can cancel Christmas. It's a wrap. Look at, look at how they used Aaron Baines this past year. They moved him in and out of the starting lineup. They used him for matchups. We all know that Al Horford doesn't want to be a full-time five, but Boston can put a lethal offensive uh, group on the floor with Horford at the five and Tatum, Brown, Kyrie, Gordon, Hayward out there on the floor. And then when you need to play bigger, and there's a handful of teams that you have to play bigger against. When you need to play bigger, you put Dwight Howard in the game and let him be Dwight. Throw it to him in the post, maybe averages 10-10. and 10. I think he can do that in a limited role. It just it just makes too much sense. I really hope, and you, you think he will, but I really hope that Dwight Howard gets it. That he gets that this is the most critical year of his career. Money should be off the table. should be all about winning, man. I think if he I think if he displayed that in free agency and when he started talking to teams, uh, I think that would speak volumes also. Mm. And I, I mean, look, you know, you you play for you know a long duration of time. It isn't about money anymore. You know, right. you want to secure the wealth of your family and future, uh, you know, and all that stuff. But at at the end of the day, it's all about you know winning, and you know the way you will be perceived, you know, forever. And I think he's thinking about that. All right, free agency just a week away. We're going to get deeper into that. But first, let's check in with David Gascon, see what's going on out there. What's up, David? Gentlemen, a lot of action today in the FIFA World Cup group play, that is. But nothing doing right now between Poland and Colombia. They're reaching the 33rd minute. Corner kick coming up right now for Colombia. But the match is scoreless as we speak. And all the action is available on Fox if you want to check it out. Earlier today as well. Picture of concentration. Call courtesy of Fox and Harry Kane of England had a hat trick. They actually led 5-0 at the end of the first half and cruised to an easy 6-1 victory over Panama. Japan tied it. The equalizer came in the 78th minute against Senegal. Two teams played to a 2-2 draw. And then onward to Major League Baseball. Dodgers have three hits today. All of them solo blasts. Kike Hernandez, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy. Dodgers 3, Mets 2, Braves on top of the Orioles 3-1. Cubbies with a 5 spot. Nally the Reds 5-0. Anthony Rizzo is 12th home run of the season. Rays doubling up the Yankees 6-3 in Tampa right now. It's in the bottom of the fourth inning. Gentlemen, back to you. It's Chris and Garan, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Mannix, Yahoo Sports. Karan Butler, two-time All-Star, NBA champion. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or... Call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, free agency, as we said, a week away in LeBron James. Set to hit the market once again. Second time in the last eight years, LeBron's going to become a free agent. But each of those times he became one, there was a natural, smart, easy, championship-looking team for him to go to. It was Cleveland. Or Cleveland went from Cleveland to Miami in 2010-11. And then he goes... Back to Cleveland in 2014. That made some sense because of Kyrie being there, Kevin Love, all that. So you had some some natural place for LeBron to go. But Karan, I look around and I don't know what the easy place for him to go is. I mean, Houston looks like a team that could use him to get over the hump. But I'm not sure LeBron James, you know, from a family standpoint, wants to go to Houston. The Lakers look like a smart team for him to go to from a family standpoint. But from a basketball position right now... They're certainly not close to winning anything. What, what do you think about LeBron's free agency in the coming week? I think, it, I, I mean, you touched on it. It's all about family. I think it's all about, you know, having that 
that that that broad perspective of you know family and transition and transition into you know life life after basketball and you know the hashtag is always believe and more than the game and I think he's one of the athletes that embody that more than any that I've seen in my lifetime so with that being said you think about cities like Los Angeles and you think about the platform that he already has that exists with uninterrupted and Spring Hill uh, Entertainment and the movie platform and what he's doing, HBO, all these things. And it just makes perfect sense, you know, for him and his family to uproot from Cleveland and be out here in this market. Now, if it's a basketball decision, you have to say, you know, Houston, you have to think about Philadelphia and what they can do in the Eastern Conference for years to come. You have to think about, you know, staying put in Cleveland possibly and, you know, with the, the news of Kawhi Leonard possibly only being released to an Eastern Conference team, maybe you can, you know, finesse something and 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 get your, you know, your your uh, Robin in 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 that trade. So it it's a lot of scenarios, but I, L.A. still makes the most sense from a family perspective to me. Yeah, I'm not sure. Even if Kawhi is truly available at this point, I don't know that Cleveland has enough to get it done. I mean, I don't know how you. You you could in theory package Kevin Love and Colin Sexton, but just, I don't know if that's that's not we can you're not going to get that you're not going to be able to get Kawhi for that. Uh, put it that way. There's there's just better offers that are going to be on the table mm-hmm. uh, for Kawhi Leonard. But I, I mean, I'm just curious to know what matters to LeBron at this point. Like what really matters? Because you know, like I said, you've got a good family situation in L.A. But if Paul George winds up back in Oklahoma City, which is at least possible, I don't know how you handicap those odds, but it's at least possible that Paul George winds up back at Oklahoma City either on a short or long-term deal, what's he doing out in L.A.? I mean, LeBron James is a great player. He can do a lot of things with a lot of players, but you're not getting past the second round with Lonzo, Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Julius Randle. You're just not. That's not a team that's equipped to get out of the second round of the playoffs. So, so go ahead. You, you, you think that... How how many more good years of basketball LeBron James have? Like, what would you I would say, say the number is? I would say two to three of being this LeBron James. This or what we're watching right now. Yes. So I would say three to four. Okay. And if you have a, a good base of talent around him, a wealth of talent, it it may you know even preserve him even more. But you know, at some point, he's going to decline and go down. So that means we we like say if he go to Los Angeles this this summer. Mm-hmm. He's going to win a title in that in that time span. I think if he's playing at that level and, and he's the carrot to draw in more talent and as a symbol, it's not going to be the following year, but you know it's going to be probably the year after that or possibly yep. that following year. But at some point, he's going to win a title, and that will put him at four four titles. That'll be restoring the feeling here in Los Angeles and he'll be able to maximize that space off the court from year one when he get here, and then it's only going to excel and go even higher, you know, once he brings that title. Do you think the fact that Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with him that forced his way out of a championship-level situation is somehow going to be a negative for LeBron when it comes to recruiting free agents and getting guys to play with him? No, I don't think he wants to be the guy that has to do everything. You know, and I think that, look, when you play with great players and you're a great player uh, in your own right, I think Kyrie is like, okay, look, we won a championship. They cannot tell the story of, you know, LeBron coming back to Cleveland, one of the best sports stories ever without mentioning me. 
I hit the shot to put us over the hump. He had the block. I had the shot. I made it. All right, that's confirmed. But now it's like, look, let let me let me see what else I can do. Like I'm Uncle Drew. Let me see what other avenues and lanes I can explore and embody. And that's what Kyrie is doing. He's becoming a better version of himself. He's selling out shoes. He's selling out in movie theaters. He's doing all these things. And now he he wants to go out there and possibly win a title or two or three without LeBron. And and that's cool. And you salute the brother for doing that. And I think LeBron respects that and understand that. Obviously, he wanted his sidekick to be with him and preserve his career longer and longer in, in Cleveland, but that was not the case. That wasn't his destiny. He, he had a different plan for his future. So LeBron understands that. And then other guys, you know, he, LeBron is still the carrier that guys want to play with. You know, a lot of guys want to play alongside of him and enhance themselves. They, they understand that they're going to have an instant following because everybody still view LeBron as the best all-around player ever to play the game of basketball and the best player on the planet right now today. Okay, the wild card in all this is Paul George, because if Paul George says, I want to play in L.A., I think LeBron goes to L.A., and they figure out the Kawhi Leonard stuff on the fly. Like, if they can acquire him, great. If not, maybe they go out and make another deal. Maybe they stand pat with what they have. Paul George, the ultimate wild card in this mix. What's your read on this, though? I mean, like, look, I I hear, and I have been saying for weeks now, that you know Paul George leaving Oklahoma City, even though it ended disappointingly last year, was not... You know, an automatic that that he likes it there, and it, and it kind of was reinforced by some of the things he said at the end of the season. I go back to those comments. Uh, what's your read on all this? Does 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 Paul George? Uh, what do you what, what do you how do you handicap this? Well, I, I look at it like this. You know, it's it's going to come down to what's really important. You know, to Paul George, and you know, understanding that he wants to be in Los Angeles at some point. You know, definitely when he was with the Indiana Pacers, that was the case, but. Understanding that if he come here and there is no LeBron James, he's going to be the face of this franchise and he's going to be the end all, the, the beginning and the end. I mean, he's going to be the headline in the story, night in and night out. Hometown kid came back. He's going to be under a tremendous amount of pressure. And some people embraces that and some people don't. Some people reject it. And that's something that is going to be a, a mental decision for him, you know, and, and how he want to carry on with that and plan in the same city with family and loved ones and all that. That's another thing, you know, and that's something that he has the option to embrace or stay put in a situation where you're going to get maxed out, the super max, they're willing to back up the truck for you, and you get to play with a superstar like Russell Westbrook who's going to get criticized whether he win or lose, and, you know, it might be a good situation for you where he's going to, you know, be your shield and going to take the hit night in and night out. Yeah, no question about that. So we'll see what happens there. All right, got to take a break. When we come back, I do want to dive into the most intriguing player in the draft. That was Michael Porter Jr., projected top three pick. He slides all the way to number 14. Will the teams before him, especially in that 8-13 to 13 range, regret passing on Michael Porter Jr.? We'll talk about that next. Chris and Karan here on Fox. Final few minutes this hour, Chris and Karan, Fox Sports Radio. Great news. A quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. If you missed any of the show, check us out on iTunes. The podcast is up. Check our Twitter account at Chris and Karan. Follow Karan on Twitter at Real Tough Juice. Check me out at Chris Mannix YS. You good over there? Feeling it. No, you don't know the words. You just be like, no, I don't. I know nothing. I do that all the time. Yeah, I say the one word. Is this is this what a car ride with Karan Butler would sound like? Yeah. 
Yeah, car karaoke with CB. Uh, car, car, see, there you go. There you go. There's a new uh, venture for you. you. Got a whole bunch of things going on. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so the NBA draft. There's some interesting picks, of course. Um, yeah, I thought Troy Brown at 15 was interesting to Washington. I thought the Clippers made some risky moves with their 12th and 13th pick, but no bigger, you know, no bigger player in this draft night than Michael Porter Jr., right? I mean, Porter Jr., a guy that is widely viewed, almost unanimously viewed, as a top two or three talent in this draft, goes all the way to number 14. And what that tells us is that the medicals were terrible. Porter missed most of his freshman year with a major back injury. He went through the workout process somewhat showed teams his medicals. His agents and his team were saying, oh, the medicals are good. Their medicals are good. He'll... Teams are, are fine with them. Well, clearly not fine with them. Michael Porter Jr. gets passed over by teams like the Knicks. Two picks from the Clippers. Uh, the Sixers, who are you know, in the history of Sam Henke, would have drafted him, no question. All the way to 14 to the Denver Nuggets. Karab, what did you think of a guy as talented as Porter Jr. slipping all the way to 14? Yeah, I was shocked. You know, I was shocked to see him drop. But then I wasn't surprised, though. So I, I hope that makes sense to the listeners. Like, I was shocked to see a talent like him drop, but I wasn't surprised because of the medical reports. And with a guy like that, you know, when you have a surgical procedure or anything like that, back, knee, that is like the red flag. Now, wrists, fingers, shoulders, things like that, you know, it's like, okay, it happens. They recover rather quickly. No, no, no shock value there, no real news. But when you talk about knees and backs, that's like crucial to careers. Uh, players not being able to be available that mean durable and that's 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 glaring and let's see what happened with him going forward but tremendous upside uh, a name that everybody loved in the draft but just was you know afraid to take that chance I was hearing some really really bad things about the medicals in the immediate aftermath of the draft stuff like may not be able to play this year stuff like chronic the word degenerative was used. Uh, by one executive that I talked to, uh, the possibility could maybe won't be able to play in back-to-backs moving forward was something people talked about. And you're right, the back injury, a back injury, is about as scary as they get for NBA teams, NBA players. Um, even the knee, I think, at this point, Karan, it's it's less scary than, than a back injury because a back injury could really derail you for extended periods of time. It may not heal uh, all the way properly. I mean, look, we, we just talked about Dwight Howard. I mean... The back injury that he had affected him for years. So I, I don't know where, where this all winds up. I do think, though, it's a gutsy but a, a good move by the Denver Nuggets because the Denver Nuggets are in a tough salary cap position in the next couple of years, and the only way they get that next star is through the draft. So Porter Jr., if he does turn out to be able to play, he has that potential to be a star. So now you have Porter, you've got uh, Jamal Murray, you've got Nikola Jokic, you have got guys in Denver that can really play. As opposed to what? You're going to draft Troy Brown? You're going to draft, uh, was it Zaire Smith was sitting there? Aaron Holiday? Like, you weren't, you probably weren't going to get a star at that spot. Now they get a potential star. You have to, have to wait a full calendar year to get him. Yeah. You know, the, the way that that organization is going to work out is you're going to have to build through the draft, which you touched on. And, you know, through free agency, you're going to have to overpay guys. And Tim Conley did an excellent job of, you know, high risk, but even higher reward in this pick. And hopefully he can remain healthy. And, you know, build his temple and get his body right and then look forward to him, you know, starting the following season, not this one, but getting mm-hmm. him prepared for uh, 2019 going forward. 
All right, quickly, I'm going to save the tape. Best player of this draft five years from now is who? Ooh, that's a good one. I would have to say Aiden Obamba. Okay. I think, Obamba, all right. Yeah, yeah. I think Bagley's going to have the, the, the immediate impact, though. I'm going to go with Doncic. I'm Ooh. taking the European. All going right. to Dallas, one great European. He'll be the heir to the next one. You know how they develop those Europeans there, man. You played there. You know yeah, nice. I like this game. All right, a lot more coming up here on Fox Sports Radio. We'll be back next week. Chris and Karan, thanks for listening. Fox Sports Radio. Squad! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote there's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.